G'day, Skyfarers. We are flying high and... Jeez, oh, I've already butchered that intro. I was going to try something. <laughs> G'day, Skyfarers. <laughs> I was going to try to do some like fancy fans. We, we are, we're still live, by the way. But G'day, Skyfarers. We are flying high with the new 2023 battle tone for character and overlords. I'm joined by Sky Captain Ver Jeremy Vassale. Uh, Jeremy is the uh, what your captain captain of team america former captain of team america champion of the world sure. aos world commissioner top ko player like everything jeremy does he basically lives in the mortal realms but we're talking about this new book we are talking about ko and it's had some changes um changes that i well for most part i really enjoy some of the changes but yeah. you are someone who has spent way more time in this army so we're going to talk about how the book has changed evolved things you like, things you don't like, maybe some considerations for the future. But before we get into the weeds, introduce yourself for people who don't know this grand champion. Sure. Um, so don't know me. Um, Jeremy Visser. I play AOS in North America, mostly uh, you know, United States. I play for Team America. I was their captain last year. This year, um, they call me Admiral, which is just a glorified position for the guy who takes care of the, all the logistics. Uh, I'm also the commissioner for the AOS Worlds this year, and that just means I get to make sure we actually have an event to go to this year. <laughs> uh, and yes, I've played um, a lot of Age of Sigmar. I, I have won ITC in 2019 before Gavin came and decided that he was going to own the scene. Uh, and then I let him have it. And then uh, we'll, we'll see what happens next year. <laughs> you ch char charitable with your aether gold letting gavin in. Um, yeah. i remember seeing pictures i think i saw the picture of your award ceremony at the lvo a couple of years ago um but you have been an absolute just wrecking force on the scene um and when ko came around i had to talk to you because um absolutely you know the army inside out and you've got a great channel by the way for people who haven't seen jeremy's channel um link is down below go check it out you do some really good content not just for ko but actually very uh strategic and you look at the game a little bit differently so highly recommend go check it out thank you so let's talk this book. Let's talk KO. Um, before we get into like the actual update for the 2023, what got you into KO and why do you keep playing it? Oh, well, I'm a dwarf player. Uh, so my first, my old like Age of Sigmar competitive army was Fire Slayers. I played them since 1.0. That's one one in 2019 with. Uh, and then I got into KO even when they first came out, but the first book was not what I wanted to play. We'll put it that way. Uh, and then when the second book came out, it was much closer uh, to what I wanted to play. And, and we'll talk about this third book. And I'll say they keep making this book more and more attractive for me. We'll put it that way as, as the edition moves on. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, like I, it's, I think there's something about the idea of um, steampunk pirate dwarves is the way I would describe them. Uh, it's just very unique. It's like Skaven for fantasy. It's just like, I don't think there's ever been a genre of a game that I basically has iconified a faction in this way. So I'm really, I'm really down with, with the, the Caragon Overlords. I can't wait to see what they do when they actually expand the model line a little bit bigger in the future. So yeah, that's what got me to it. Ooh. I can't tell. I, I'm still live and coach is frozen. He's got the thousand yard stick <laughs> next to Galmaraz. So I can't tell if it's me or him. I hope it's uh 
I hope it's him. <laughs> well, then, you know, say, Johnny, Johnny, play me off, and let's cue the, uh, <laughs> the family guy senior. No, for while, while Coach comes back online, uh, I will say that one of the big reasons um, KO has been such an important part of my gameplay is it's just an army that does things differently than the rest of the game. So if you played the game, like, let's say, years playing Fire Slayers, which are a very basically linear type approach to the game, and you wanted to play something that played very differently, uh, and KO was my option, my solution to that. It allowed me to become a, I would say, better player, but it taught me how to think about the game differently because I had to approach solving how to win very differently than Fire Slayers allowed me to. Like, for example, Fire Slayers were an army that, you know, and especially in the, you know, 2018, 2018 era, where, where we call, we like to call North America the activation war period. Oh, we wanted to, hey, you're back. So I was giving the, uh, I was trying to keep the, the audience hot and ready here. <laughs> so uh, I was going to finally say, it, the, the army let me basically taught me a new fresh point of how to play the game instead of just sitting in objectives and letting my opponents try to fight unkillable blocks of hurt guard. This army taught me how to basically, how do I sequence things in a way where I can still get on points, even though I can't actually physically get on points without, you know, basically losing my entire army. So, yeah, that's uh, that's why I picked up Kale in the first place. Are you live with me now? Are you back? Ah, no, no audio. <laughs> Oh man, that's unfortunate. First time I come on the show, and then we have a crippling technical error. We're good. Sorry, We're did, good. did I miss back. much? Because did you actually go through much? Because I can just restart the stream, and we'll pretend this didn't happen. I'll cut it. No, actually, out. like as soon as I noticed you, you basically had a frozen screen situation. I was, I just kept talking about why I picked Kale and went more into detail than probably most people wanted to hear. <laughs> Mate, you're, a, you're an absolute champion. I thought I resolved the tech issue, so hopefully that doesn't happen again. Um, but I, uh, KO's always been an interesting army to me because it hasn't actually seemed like, it seems on a surface an army that doesn't quite play Age of Sigma the way traditionally it plays. But I think yeah. to your point, as as the book has evolved, it is getting more and more like yeah. an age of sigmar army but i always feel like it's missing just a little bit of melee support and i think that's probably one thing that excited me the most with the um frigates and the frigate changes i felt like while you didn't get any melee focused units it did actually right. bring the melee to the game and i'm like all right this is this is getting this is getting uh, a little bit more attractive and spicy to me yeah i the way I would describe previous KO books, it's like we are teleporting shooty, and now the new book, in my opinion, feels more like we are an LA army of guns. Like that's how I would describe the book and the difference between the two the two books is it feels more like you're enticed to go into combat than you used to be. Uh, because they gave us some massive frigate buffs, I guess, in that in that niche, right? So what else changed? So like, while we're while we're talking, like maybe at a very high level, unless you covered this already while my computer crashed, um, what's <laughs> what's changed between the second, the the late, the last book and the twenty twenty three version? Like, has the playstyle changed? Has it just been a couple of tweaks that you found? Like, what do you, what's your observation? I think I broke it down to three specific categories. Um, a the uh the shooting while not necessarily being that much better i, I will say 
it got better, but in not in a weird way, like not in a simplistic way of looking at it. Like they didn't bump the rent, they didn't bump like necessarily damage. What they did do is they made it more consistent. Like they made the shooting from all the boats more consistent. They made the shooting from the special weapons a bit more consistent as well. Uh, and so that's a big change. Like consistency is key in a shooting army. You don't want gambling mechanics because you could just literally lose the game because you just didn't do anything. Uh, and then the other thing they they addressed was battle tactics. Uh, you know, in the previous book, we had a White Dwarf update that addressed, like, added some fairly easy battle tactics. And then this edition, they were like, hey, you know what would be even better? If What if we made them even easier? Uh, so <laughs> so that, that that was a major change in the book. Uh, and, from those, and the last thing, finally, is combat. Like, the, the you know, before it was trying to figure out an equational math to how to score the primary points. In this edition, it's more linear. Like, you can just say... No, I can just fight. I can I can just engage. Like I don't, there's almost no penalty for fighting in combat now for you is the way I would describe it. Um now, before that it was a little hard. Yeah, you never really wanted to be in combat. It was like a last resort. And even probably when I looked at the uh the sky wardens and their ability to kind of yeet themselves out of combat with those bombs at the end, I'm like, okay, cool. You can get into combat, do the damage with the frigate, and then get out before you get hit back. Or yeah. you can avoid some of the hit back because you just don't have the durability. You don't have the wounds. You don't have the tools right. to be able to sustain long combats. You can't grind. Yeah, it is not a grindy army at all, 100%. It we will get into the rules in a minute, but I do want to ask you about... Um, sorry, did I cut you off? No, no, you're good. I just wanted to call out one significant change. Well, could be significant depending on how you want to look at it. Is the removal of Aethergold? Is that something that that you were annoyed about? Was that something that you're like, okay, like what was your take on that? I can't say. Like, so the, if you notice me playing KO for the, when I did win GTs with it, it was mostly a boat heavy army. So the gold I had available that mattered was maybe once or twice on the Ironclad. Uh, and then the rest of the gold was kind of irrelevant. It, it was it was nice to have, but it was never a necessity. And now, Kale, you can still have a triumph. Like it's fairly easy with Kale to be like you know eighty, hundred points under and still be relevant uh, in terms of model count. So you you never really lost the other gold for the the shooting phase that matters basically, or whatever unit you're trying to do. So yeah, I I, I don't think the other gold going away really really took a bit nerf bad to the book. I think it's just, it was it was already kind of a hard mechanic to use because of like things like the balloon guys didn't get it until they, unless, unless you played one specific faction. So if you had like nine Indian riggers, you didn't even get a gold on them. Um, so it, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it, I, don't, I totally even forgot that rule existed in the new book. Like if you've already been playing the new book, I'm like, what what is this rule you're talking about that is like engraved in stone in the prehistoric times? Uh, so... But overall, you're feeling positive about the change. You, the, it'll, There has been changes. We'll go through like fly high, disembark. We'll go through all the different rules in a minute. But just at a very high level, you feel good. They're competitive. They're something that you would take at a tournament. I So I will. my <laughs> personal feeling after playing it, I play them now seven games in a new book. Uh, they're very good. They're they're very they're very very good. Uh, I, th I still think they they struggle against the boogeyman, which is the the gits. Uh, I think, but but in terms of that, they're a very good faction right now. 
And, and, and it just comes down to how easy it is for them to score and how much more powerful they are in every phase of the game. Because uh, before, they were a shooting army that just used maneuverability to its advantage. Now it's an army that does damage in every phase of the game. Uh, so it's a very different game. It's a very different army now than you used to. Yeah, it really always used to be, like at least maybe the play style for the opponents that I went into was always they would not take the first turn. They would go bottom of turn one, fly high, shoot as much as possible, yeah. hope for the double turn, shoot some more as much as possible. And hopefully between that double turn, they either won or they will be able to you know, move around and avoid combat. And they've done enough damage to those key hero support troops scoring whatever it might be right. in the battle plan um and if they didn't win the double turn and i could have uh i don't know screened i could have sustained the damage then i'll punch you in the face and you wouldn't be able to handle it right no i think i think that those days of ko are going to be very different like i don't think you're going to see those ko armies play that way anymore i i think uh Let's put it this way. I'm very biased because I play KO, so maybe take everything I said with a grain of thought. So, but like, Enden Rigors and Frigate combos are like, they're nasty. It's it's like really nasty. <laughs> I, I have yet seen uh, a single unit that has basically been like, okay, this was this felt, you know, this felt like I could tank this, you know, at first, and you see face value, and then you play a turn against, it, and you're like, no, this this bloody sucks. Like, I really don't like this combo at all. <laughs> so um that's how my opponents felt after playing like the new ko a couple of times it's like this army is not like it used to be in terms of output and in terms of how it, it wins games um so it it, yeah, it has its sounds fall though sorry interrupted you go for it no 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 and i'll bring up the rules in a second but you notice that with the change to fly high now that it's a yeah. command ability and not everyone can just fly high and you know have this uh concentrated right. attack You've got to use movement in the game a lot more than you always have, which has made you make you look at your list a little different. And I've got to say, the frigate for me, and I'll, I am going to bring up the rules in a second, so I want to get into the actual uh, rules, is when you look at the frigate before this book, it never really had a place. If you wanted right. cheap boats, you had the gun hauler. If you wanted the big boat and you had the points for it, you go the ironclad. And the frigate was always in this weird middle ground that you never really had a unique role for it. Now there are very defined lanes for all three of them, and I love that. Yeah, in fact, uh, I would argue, and I would even add that the ironclad got left in the dust <laughs> after the frigate changes. Uh, and you're talking a man who's been winning GTs of like two frigates and an ironclad for like a year and a half. So, like, trust me, I, I frigates had a place. Everybody was undervaluing their place. I think is the problem line because it was the game's a much more linear place when you just had like two ironclads. You're like, you're like okay, my army is. I'm gonna pick this up. And then next time I'm going to pick that up. And then like when you have this very linear equational math, you're, you're very easy to play the army. But then your job as you're the opponent to the KO army is like, well, how am I going to disrupt that game plan? Because it's very televised uh, versus the new KO is low, like it's not very televised at all because the threat of it is very different than it used to be effectively. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good question. I actually might bring this one up just to ask and then we'll get into the rules. Um, I haven't really thought about this from a KO point of view because the um, the mercenaries or the regiments of renown have mm -hmm. dropped just after my battle tome preview. But have you given any thoughts to the order 
um the regiments of renown the rune throng the uh what is it the rune yeah. priest with iron drakes and hammers no whatever no it's it's long beard i think it's long beers it's long beers iron drakes and rune priest yeah. i thought about the barak thring uh sub faction but the problem of and this is me being like super conservative about rule interaction they need to back the barak thring because it's unclear if you can actually get the prayer on the allied priest because technically it's an allegiance mechanic and I just don't get allegiance mechanics based on the core rule. So I'm assuming the battle to supersede that, but it's also kind of like, are you sure? Uh, so we're going to play like as if they are. So that is a great renowned battalion or battalion or whatever you want to call them uh, for because it gives you the priest you were looking for. Uh, it gives you a unit that can basically hold an objective in your backfield so you can commit your boats to whatever you're doing. And you still have Iron Drakes, which are still a fantastic unit, even in this, you know, fast forward to today. So, I yeah, and, it's a really good battalion. And if you can't take it, the prayer, would you have the same feeling? No, I, I think the... I'm making the assumption that you have you're able to take prayer because if not, I don't. I think you're better off investing into more boats if you if you're not playing Barak during of that combo. If you're playing any other sub faction, just into more boats. Yeah, I just wanted the I I just wanted the decision tree. It's like, can I take the prayer? Yes, love them. No, no, I'd rather something else. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, if you're playing Barak Trang and you can take the player on on that priest, yes, one percent is a good. It's that's a great like allied like mechanic into that army. All right, I've teased the rules a few times now. Let's actually bring it up. So let's go through. We're not going to go through what, line by line because you've probably already got the battle tone by now, and I'm going to assume you've looked at mine or um, some other uh, you know Aethercast review. You probably know the rules by now. So at a very high level, we'll avoid skyports for a second because I'll actually bring up the rules um, when we get to them. But as a very good player, a great player, a champion player, captain of the mortal realms, how do you look at embarking and disembarking? Is this something that you load your boats up to the moon as many models as possible? Are there particular units you like to embark more than others? Um, how do you look at these rules? Because as a new KO player, this can be quite overwhelming. Do I put things on the table? Don't right. I put them on the table? When do I take them down? Where do I put them down? Is it just to get them onto objectives and I drop? Like, how do I use these rules? I really appreciate it that they actually spent time into writing these rules versus just basically calling them the garrisons. Um, so now you're in a situation in the context that units that benefit from fighting things in garrisons, like, Sons of Behemoth <laughs> doesn't trigger anymore from from fighting things inside your boats. But from the most part, they they also actually worded them in a way where it made sense. Like so, we had this weird period of time for KO where when the last book came out, you could basically uh, it was kind of simple to embark and disembark. And then when the 3.0 rules came out and the garrison rules kind of changed a little bit, it made it like almost impossible to get a boat. <laughs> so they had to even like fack it to make it so it's possible to disembark out of a boat in, in almost all situations. Uh, and now they, with these rules, they actually made it like super, it seems like a lot of word verbiage, but it's actually not that complicated. It's literally, hey, do you finish a move hole even three inches of a boat? Cool, you can get in the boat. When you disembark, did the boat move? Okay, if it didn't, you can disembark hole even three inches. And then I thought that was very like, they actually very streamline the way it interacts and they and all the bonuses and, and limitations. 
I mean, the big one they have to actually clarify on is what the hell did they mean when a unit inside a boat finishes a move? When the boat finishes a move, a move does it count? The unit counts as making the same move. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> because there's no other rule in the game that explains, like, that like gives you a context of what does that mean. So most players are going to think like, oh, it means if you retreat, you can't with the boat, you can't shoot the guys because like, it counts as retreating. Yes. But distance, like, is that a point of relevancy? Like, do you care? Like, there's all these things that, like, they kind of, they could have expended on that one. But everything else in that, those bullets are very, very good and simple, I thought, from previous interactions. So just to call out, folks, we are recording pre any FAQ. So some of these things that we might talk about, like this one, for example, may get clarified if you listen to this in the future. Hello, future people. But otherwise, um, you know, we're, we're reading as as we currently understand. So, you know, things might change. But as a as a um, experienced captain, like how do you actually use these rules? Like do you do you grab, let's say, a frigate? And if a frigate has the – I can't remember how much a uh, frigate can hold Twelve. at this – 12. Do you always load up each boat with the maximum amount of people um, – is there particular units yeah. that you like to load up more than others? Like, how do you think about embarking and disembarking? Sure. So let's talk a little bit like list design. Um, so I'll, first I'll start with the biggest change from embarking that was from last edition is that the units inside the boat count as flying, which is a massive change because it means that overgrowth and certain the rules uh, get basically, you know, you somehow not shoot through trees. Uh, so we'll put it that way. So some units like Thunderers, which were, you know, kind of nice to have in a boat, but now they're just like, you kind of always want them in a boat because nothing can really block line of sight uh, other than the Galatian ch champion mechanic. Uh, and in terms of other units put in the boat, that was a big change. Is you couldn't, before, you couldn't even put engine riggers or sky wardens or the engine man dirigible suit inside the boat because of how the hitchhiking mechanic worked. But now that they can actually be in the boat, that's a massive upgrade for those units. And well, I mean, we'll talk more about those war scrolls later, but for the most part, it means that now if they're inside the boat, they at least have a plus one save, they're minus one to hit because they're just like in the defensible piece, but not being a defensible piece. I mean, they're more less likely to get shot off in a mirror or less likely to get shot off in other shooting matchups. And it gives them that additional kind of like durability if they do make a charge you're like you can choose to like you know if you're not if you're charging in an ironclad they're like cool like they actually have a plus one save natively inside the ironclad so it makes them a little bit more tankier uh in terms of mechanically speaking the units that we put in the boats are characters thunderers and rigor sky warden and then finally uh arcanauts like i mean obviously we covered all the units here but like it's oh. by priority it's by priority like this is this is the priority units you put in the boats so like all your characters then your Thunderers, and then your Endon Riggers, then your Skywarden, then your uh, uh, your Arcanaut company. So if you, that's how you fill up your boats first. So Arcanauts are usually helping it. If you don't have boats, <laughs> so it's fair to say that your heroes are on a boat. Oh yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're rocking it like Lonely Island in that song. I'm on a boat. As, uh, yeah. That chat pointed out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean like like there, it's it's. I, so the, there's two archetypes I've been playing. There's the three-boat frigate and two-frigate list I've been testing. And when I'm running the three-frigate build, there's usually one frigate that either has a unit or, but it always has a character in it because the boats still are not elite. 
So they can't really issue themselves command other than the three commands you have your from your faction. So you still need a character inside boats. It feels like you always need a character at least inside a boat to maximize your value. Which actually let's let's actually continue that and actually talk about the uh, those three. So skip uh, stick the code for a second. Um, okay. You've got those three Iron Sky command abilities. So um, Arcanaut Admirals can issue these commands as well as Sky vessels can issue it to themselves. So you've got Combat Landing, Fly High, and Disengage. Some of these used to be on their War Scrolls, and some of them didn't, and they didn't cost you a command point. Right. So how did that change come about and what are you thinking about with the new version of, so you've already mentioned having a hero in all the boats to make sure they can issue because you can't just run all admirals. I mean, right. you could, but you probably don't want to. I mean, there's a really good synergy of running an admiral with uh, the new JC mechanic uh, alpha pack leader of, or alpha leader, or whatever the, the one that gives you three, com three hero, uh, command abilities for one phase. So you technically, if you have three boats, you can three fly high three boats of him, uh, for free because he can give it to his flagship for free. So that's a nice little, you know, you can still have the old cool fly high. You're rarely ever going to see that, but that is still an option. If you wanted to go back to the days of fly high for one turn, but for the most part, uh combat landing was the blessing like it was i think every ko player was asking for combat landing for like years if you played ko you're like be real nice if i could just move my boat and like disembark my unit and then like sit on a point be real nice <laughs> so combat landing was like the blessing from on high from games workshop because all the other ones are uh really good but they change them enough to be like you're in almost fly high for example let's talk about fly high Fly, you used to be able to do it in combat. You didn't even care. But now you can't even do it in combat anymore. So you it requires you to retreat, which is, once again, the changes to this uh, the embarking rules means if you retreat, the guys inside are retreating. Meaning they can't shoot. So even if you fly high, guys inside can't shoot. Disengage. Uh, disengage while the unit can embark and retreat and shoot later in, uh, in the turn as well as the units inside. And so you now have, like, this is now they basically went back and forth, like, saying... Well, we don't want you to be anywhere on the table. We just want you to be close to anywhere on the table. How about, you actually have to like think about it now because frigates are and are like twelve inch movement, most likely fourteen inch movement if you're playing uh, KO. But for the most part, they're they're they all these new abilities are interestingly mechanically a little bit harder, but at the same time still very forgiving. So. Yeah, and I think it's probably as an opponent, one of the most frustrating things was always flying high out of combat. Like it grounded my gears because, like, I I couldn't pin you down, and then you like just move away. Like, pew 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 again. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just running around getting shot at. And if I got double turned, like it was just that was often uh, such an important element to the game. If I could win the priority, then at least I had a chance to get in combat, try to smash you, uh, and hopefully soak up and unleash hell and 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 still have some troops on the board. But now, you know, you've really got to choose. If you want to get out of combat, you need to disengage or retreat. If you retreat, you can't fly high. You you know, there's a whole bunch of things now that KO people need to think a little differently to how they played a couple of months ago. Yeah, and I, I will I will attack on to saying that they still view the option for being able to do that with a footnote. Uh, but the biggest thing that matters the most is that now... I will say that KO is not, because in your example, for example, uh, Coach, you bring up, I would consider KO in the previous generation as an NPE army, a non, 
it's just not enjoyable for your opponent. Like you're just like, cool. You're playing a very different game than I'm playing. And it doesn't seem that what I do matters. Like, and now it does engaging KO bullets matters. It has a real ramification to what they can do. Uh, and so like in that same, there is a sense of counterplay to a boat's work. So it's super that I love the change. Like for me, it's like phenomenal. I love the, the, the fact that they gave us combat landing, which is basically solves a lot of the problems KO had in the previous iterations. And also they made fly high and disengage a limited resources that are still good, but your opponent never feels like there's nothing I can do about this. army. just does what it wants. Like there's no counterplay. So yeah, and I think in the preview video, I mentioned you'll be playing more on the tabletop. Your boats are going to be moving around using their movement right. as opposed to having to, because that was what happened in the past. You just flew who, fly high, you moved where you needed to move, right. as opposed to now you've actually think about your movement characteristic, where you want to be, and plan for those attacks with your range. But yeah. Um, and, and I'm not saying this with negativity. It's just I'm saying now that the book has changed, you need to think a little differently how you use your boats and your resources. And speaking of footnotes and resources, you've got your articles, your amendments, and your footnotes, which is a massive boost considering they used to be locked to your sub-faction, your skyports. So how, yeah. how are you looking at this creative freedom of articles, amendments, and footnotes? Well, you're talking to a man with David Play, uh, sub-factions in the last two GTs of KO. I was writing my own uh, uh, sub-faction so I could have my cherry pick of an article amendment footnote previously. And so now, like, it's like, it's my play style, but, like, I get a sub-faction of it. So it's really cool. Um, so the, the way I look at them, uh, specifically speaking, you have effectively each section has, hey, do you want to play old-school KO? Well, we wrote something for you in that one that section. Or do you want to play new kale? And then we wrote something for new kale. And then they wrote something like, well, if you want to play something different, then you still have that. Uh, that's how I classify each one of these rules. They're very much like play new kale, play old kale, play something completely different. <laughs> it's the way I write each of those sections. So let's let's go from the top. Do you have a favorite article or what are the ones that stand out from you in your builds? Yeah. Um, Barack Urbas is a faction we'll talk about later, but for me, two biggest winners out of articles are Master Disguise and Settle the Grudges. Master Disguise is two inches to sky vessels in terms of movements and puts all your frigates to 14, your, your ironclad to 12, your uh, gun haulers, I think, to 14 as well. And Settle the Grudges is basically old school ethical. You can think of it like old school ethical, which is actually something I was using in my previous build from the command trade, which is translated now into an article. But you can think of it as like you're you're picking an enemy unit and you're like, I have permanent plus one to win against that, which is what you were using their goals most of the time for anyway, uh, before they, you know, change it from 2.0 to 3.0. So I, yeah, my two favorite. Honor as everything is, is very niche. It's a very niche uh, article. Normally, I wouldn't talk about the article or the, the rule that you didn't want to talk about, but I want to call that specifically the honor is everything because... Take a step back from KO for a second. When yeah. you see four up rally, people lose their minds. You think about it when uh, <laughs> yeah. Chaos Warriors had it, you have Gits have it, you have, you know, Beast of Chaos had it for a while. Like so many Daughters of Cain has it, Fire Slayers has it. And you're like, ooh, four, four up uh, KO. A lot of my troops aren't durable. So four up rally, like on the surface, seems a very attractive offer. Why wouldn't you pick it? Uh, so that's why, you know, I've talked earlier about like there's an old KO, new KO, and something else all entirely. 
honor everything is something else on Tally. So if you're planning on playing, let's say 30 Arcan uh, Arcanaut Company blocks, they can't go any boats. So they play a very different game. It's like almost like you could go super infantry heavy in KO and like praying no boats, and the army is still very functional. So you're doing something different. Right. And that's that's why I think they wrote that in there because it's it it fun it, it helps that kind of build actually do stuff. Uh versus Master of Skies, which is more into new KO, which is hey, you're playing uh uh Mad Max Fury Road and you want to get as fast as possible into uh your, your opponent's face, and then settle grudges is more of the old school, like hey, you want other golds? Well, we got a gold for you. Um, so that's how I look at those. Yeah, like, like if you if you're someone who's building Arcanaut, it's going to sit on a, a back objective and project power yeah. from like a castle, and you want to have thirty. Yeah, I could see this potentially being useful for for most people. You're right. Like I was just looking at the Ironclad. The Ironclad can take up to twenty two Skyfarers, so you could only reinforce them once. Right. Is 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 it worth taking that particular article for one unit that has twenty wounds? Sorry, twenty models. Probably not. Probably not in most cases. I agree with that. That's that's how I looked at those articles it's the same way. Where am I going to use that one? Very rarely. Yeah, like I, I just wanted to call out for especially people who are newer to the faction, why 4-Up Rally isn't. It's not that 4-Up Rally is powerful. It's in other factions. 4-Up Rally means more. You know, bringing back Witch Elves, bringing up 60 Stabbers, bringing back other, other units makes a lot of sense, not in KO. Anyway, amendments. What's your favorite amendments? <laughs> uh same classification old kale new kale something different all right we'll start with uh new kale prosecute wars of all haste giving you uh one unit that once you're returning your movement phase you can run 2d6 fury road once again just let's just go something is going to go like an icbm into your opponent's face that's that's what it feels like trust your guts old kale uh giving you basically um wants to hit for one i actually like this rule really i hate this rule so much because i there's 40k versions of this rule that are written the exact same way i have no idea if they mean that every unit gets one reroll or if your faction gets one reroll of ones um so what i'm going to lean on the you get one reroll once per your entire faction until they have like nuance to clarify what they mean because it's the exact same verbiage for master crafted weapons and master crafted whatever in 40k so we won't talk about that game because it's not relevant uh but games workshop please be more consistent like if you're going to differentiate these rules write them a bit more differently uh and then always take away your own which is something new something different uh because it's just like once again we talked about this like hey three arcanauts count as two models and objective sounds pretty good sounds pretty good. <laughs> especially with four up rally um so it's very different in that regard What's the one that you would take? Or what's the one that oh, you would prosecute. like the most? Prosecute Wars of All Haste. Fury Road all the way. You know, with me. <laughs> Scenario here. I, I, love, I, I really love that. Like that. But we'll talk about like more reason why as we talk about the rules, but that is like clearly my favorite in this uh in, in this sub in this uh, amendment section. It's interesting because trust your guns is the one that kind of stood out to me the most. Just because of the re-rolls. Re-rolls have been dropped from the game. It's very hard to get a re-roll now. Right. And with the amount of shooting you've got, uh, if if you can re-roll one hit roll for one one of the attacks, I mean, yeah, as you said, it's a bit messy, but um, I don't know for that, especially for that high impactful, you know, d d six damage, D three damage, yeah. uh, Ren three, whatever it might be. I don't know. 
I like that habit having it up my sleeve. If it's every unit, I think it, you're right. It's very good. Like especially in a boat build, it's very very good. If it's if it's every unit gets one reroll every shooting phase. If it's just one only one reroll for the entire shooting phase, I think you you get a lot more value of the two d six inch run, especially for combat landing because it lets you at least put units on an objective that more your opponent might think was out of reach because of like the speed of the boat basically. So yeah, I, I would agree with that. And then footnotes, you got three footnotes. Is it the same theme, old, new, something different? Yeah, it's basically old, new, something different. <laughs> um, so let's talk about new. Uh, it, I, I'll give you a guess. What do you think is the new the new footnote? <laughs> like, what do you think it fits new KO playstyle? Oh God, don't put, me on the, don't put me on the spot here. I'm trying to manage the <laughs> chat here. Fair enough. All right, well, I'll talk through it. Uh, Let's just say that 3D6, because like, yeah. like I was just looking at, um because uh, obviously Blades of Corn uh, preview was last night. Uh, yeah. they, you know, Scarbrand can now do 3D6. Mega Gargans, Gargans can do 3D6. This is one of the things that either 3D6 charge or shut down inspiring presence seems to be the current theme or for a right. rally. Right. 3D6 charges once again into that, like we talked about like, Article plus student move amendment 2d6 run and then 3d6 charge once per game on a boat, uh, or really any unit, but like you know, mostly a boat. Uh, it's like that's a that's a massive kind of like, like I said, like you're playing like Fury Road style KO here. Uh, and then something old, uh, is basically uh, without ships, you know, you're basically you, you get you get to put a boat, you get to give a boat effectively disengage and fly high, so you can kind of feel like you're playing old KO, which is the old fly high mechanic. Uh, it just requires effective, you know, two CP uh, to do it, and then something uh, different. You got there's no trading with some other people, and that just lets you have an ability for a Skyfarer unit being able to shoot a unit back. Once again, Skyfarer units are not boats, <laughs> so it's like it's really into this kind of Arcanaut Company build. Like, like if somebody shoots an Arcanaut Company, you're like, cool, uh, I could shoot you back, I guess, or Thunderers. Uh, not that like. You know they don't have impressive range, so I'm like I'm curious what when you're gonna get to trigger that. But if you enter it, I, I guess it gets heal on. I guess it's really relevant. But for the most part, yeah, it's just it's something different. It's not something new or old, effectively. Yeah, I, I must admit, like the first thing that the Timmy in me looks at, there's no reward without risk, and I just think about, um, you know, as is mentioned in the chat, like an ironclad, you know, with a ram crashing in or the frigate loaded up with the, you know, yeah. disengaging after combat. Like that to me is, is, is the play style I would love to play in KO. Yeah. And guess what? It's a very good play style coach. <laughs> and yes, you know, you could probably task helmet as well in the current season. I'm thinking more generically outside of this season because we'll only be here for a couple of months and then who knows what's coming up, but absolutely right. think of those, those new realm rules and things like that. Yeah, the Tusk is going to compete against a lot of artifacts, though. There's some very good artifacts in that book. Which we'll get to eventually, like how you look at, like, is it what, is it still the one drop or, or the drop, the right. low drop? Or do we go Warlord, you know, get the extra enhancements from, from the various things? But overall, I think Allegiance abilities look quite good so far. Yeah, there's been some changes, but overall... Um, Flamingo Pie asking, how do you feel about having three of each type of code, considering that it's possible to get two of each right number or two few? 
Let's, let's review that question when we get to the code right, because I think he kind of addresses some of that mechanical changes. Um, and I think I mentioned earlier, I really like Barack Urbas for the two article concept. But yeah, like having more of those is very good. Uh, period. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like having more of these mechanics is very good. Yeah, I was going to say the code write does bring an interesting little mix to the amendments. And if you are sitting between two of them, um, there are some good options coming up. So command traits, you've got what, six command traits. What's your favorite and why? Ooh, okay. My favorite is storm color. I love yes. storm color. Yes, uh, it is. We haven't talked about the navigator, so we'll put that in pause. We'll talk about why this is my favorite when we go to the navigator about that. But it's my favorite for sure. Nav navigator got a glow up, uh, and navigator got some extra rules. So um, I felt the same actually when I did the preview. I'm like, look, I call out Scorm Call. It's my favorite. You're not going to understand why if you open up your app right now. Um, but outside of Stormcaller, I think something like I don't mind X Grunstock. Um, if you are someone thinking about using Gunstock gun haulers. Um, a nice old sky dog getting an extra engine work for a boat heavy build uh, kind of stood out to me. Padding Feedmaster is very good as well, but it's hard to use uh, and it works in very specific builds, but it is a very good command trait as well. Yeah, I, I really wish Grudge, Grudge Bearer was better than it was. Like it on the surface, it sounds good until you realize it's the damage inflicted by the general's weapons. I'm like, oh. I mean, I'll be honest, like that's what I was using for my previous book. It's the, it's the exact same verbiage and having a damage six uh, admiral against like like Kairos or like uh, Scarbrand is pretty hilarious. It's like it's like terrifying. <laughs> it's <those things. laughs> so it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. It's like the other command traits are just so much better. The challenge, as Abel has said as well, is that the range of some of your shots have gone down. So, you know, right. you can't you can't always project your power from 30 inches now. You're going to be 18, and uh, depending on how the battle goes, it might be hard to get to those heroes, but uh, especially those castle ones that you want to shoot off like Teclas. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what about artifacts? Where, where are you at with your artifacts? Is it spell in the bottle still? Is that still... Because the two ones that were uh... most popular was Spell in the Bottle and the Bomblets. Phosphorus Bomblets were the two ones that were most popular in the old book. Yeah, I don't think Spell in the Bottle, it's still good. It's just like, there's a couple of, now you you lost a faction restriction, so you can't play like Warp Lightning Vortex. Also, that's that's a big like downgrade for that, for an example. Plus it requires you taking an Ether Chemist, which is, we can talk about it more. Like I, I have a very strong opinion about the Ether Chemist, but, for me, the the phosphate bomb rights bomblets are still very good. I mean, the problem though is you have celestial burst grades as an option, and God knows this is the one thing that Kale doesn't want to deal with is a five up ward. So, <laughs> like, like it's it's hard to like be like okay, cool. Uh, which fact? So my my thought process is very simple. I'm gonna have a navigator, and I'm gonna have an admiral. That's basically the starting point of every build of Kale. Celestial Burst Grenade is amazing, period. It's like you can take on any hero, but it's you, you you when you don't when you don't need it, your army plays great. When you do need it, you're like, yeah, I wish I brought that. So it's always good to take. And then the voice zone orb is this same exact logic. It's just having 
that auto unbind for like for just a situation like if you say you play against techless they're like hey i bought a five up ward for my entire army how about no <laughs> it's it's very it's 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 they're both very situation very powerful rel- artifacts effectively so those are my two favorite you can't, you can't underestimate so just before this last season i was playing stormcast and i always brought in the knight in cantor the only reason i took it was that once per game no to your spell being able right. to stop like Fanquil, who has plus five using bridge, not bridge the surfboard, uh, Lolchen, the soul seeker, being able to bridge him forward, being able to shut down that critical spell, whatever faction it is, um, the void storm is worth its weight in gold. Yep. Would it's, you? It's un... No, Sorry, keep going. Go for it. I said, no, just unfortunate. Gonna... Oh. You got you got <laughs> it's unfortunate the admiral the celestial burst grenade was like a thing that he used to have on his war scroll and they moved off of his war scroll and turned into an artifact but that's okay like it's not a huge like loss it just kind of sucks that he was some of his like tech mechanic but you know into an artifact so at least we didn't lose it entirely we just made it an, an actual resource cost and then I will say though, like it's a once per game artifact that can fail, which I kind of don't like. That's probably the only only yep. negative thing that I have is that if I got a once per battle thing, I it should be guaranteed. Like a two up, like this that's a feel bad. I got one artifact, I roll a one. I think your opponents would disagree. <laughs> oh, I, I, I would I would disagree. I I would disagree. But it, it feels bad. I, I'll, all I was going to ask you about was: Would you consider the master wrought armor the uh, the five up ward? It, and I think we, if we talk more about like types of builds Ko can bring, maybe the problem is it depends on like uh, your if you're going to be playing a high drop or a low drop army. Uh, so it, it get, it's not a bad one. I just it just doesn't feel like it does anything for your army, right? It does something for the admiral versus all the other artifacts do something for your army so it's it's the most selfish one in the book basically the way i would word it yeah my 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 initial instincts is that it's nice to have if i had like three or four artifacts to choose from like if i was like right. it'd be my choice three choice four um right. if i was playing narratively yeah cool pick it but if i've got one or two options it's probably not my my one my first two i'd rather probably arcane tome or something else um right then just a five up ward on a hero. You know, the admiral's not a linchpin to your army. Nope. It's helpful, nope. but it's not. It's, it, your army doesn't crumble if your admiral dies. And the nice thing too, if you still want a five up ward on something that isn't the admiral, you still have the GHB artifact that does the same thing. So, cool. What about the what about the uh, the Endrin works? We'll start at the Ironclad. You know what? You always make me go first. It's time for you to go first. Which one is your favorite arc and Arkham? Because I can guarantee you it's the same one for me. <laughs> Listen, people have already heard my favorites. Like I did it in the preview. So look, the, look, what, what stood out for me? So if I've got an ironclad, um, I don't mind the old reliable hull plates being able to negate the first wound in every phase. You see like Manfred, sure. uh, and that's that's really attractive. Although it's got a lot of wounds, so it's like, do you really need that? Uh, look, sure. for me, oh, what do I like? What do I like? Um, all right, line of the sand, I'll say the Omniscope, getting the extra move. Okay. I 
Damn, I thought we were on the same page on that one. Uh, the Dillbreaker Ram for me. It's what I used to run always, and it's still very good. Oh, the Ram. Uh, oh, goddamn. Goddamn. No, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just skipped that because there's too many words. I'm trying like, to, like, but I mean, like, if you have, it's really funny to be like, once per game, you're like, this it's Ram, uh, this Ram is going to have a 3 6 charge. Enjoy. <laughs> so. It's quite fun. I mean, you play, you probably played Kragnos before, like Stonehorns. You, you know how fun that is when you roll that? You're like, yeah. <laughs> Except it's on the, a, you know, a battleship. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm, I'm playing with the same mechanics at the moment with Sigvold and the War Shrine. 3d6 charge on Sigvold. Sigvold yeah. gets extra attacks based on the 3d6 charge. Yeah, those four, those, uh, four mortal wounds. So an average on a, a 3d6 charge, an average dice roll is a 10. So if you do the stats, you should be doing five mortal wounds on average. So yeah. that's not bad. That could clear the screen. That could, uh, you know, degrade a monster profile before it gets into combat. Um, that's nothing to to sneeze about. It uh, it also lets you uh, just clear up this, you know, like just terrifies your opponents. Like there's certain armies where you're like, hey, that boat, it's got a 3d6 charge of a four up war, uh, four to walk mortal wounds. And they tell me, let me tell you, some, some players are like, cool, I am not going to go as gun ho as I wanted to go in your face. <laughs> so. it, it is hard with the big base size to leap over screens. So, so yeah. you, you know, you, you want to be like tagging. What I find really beneficial is you tag a unit and then, or you 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 kind of get as close to that so you can maneuver as best as possible. But yeah, the mortal wounds are great. Cool. Yep, I, I actually missed it because I'm looking at all the words. I'm like, oh, I haven't got time to read. <laughs> Be here for ten years. Um, what about the frigates? Uh, yeah, so frigates are a little bit simpler. Um, magnificent Omniscope. I, you know, we talked about like the Fury Road, like you know, theme here. Got to go for more speed. Got to go for all the speed possible in the frigate. Uh, the, you know, so one frigate will have like a six-inch move. Ideally, for me, that's like, yeah, it's all the others are not bad. They're just like I. There's that extra two-inch range can mean the difference between dropping bombs on a target or just being able to reach something for your guys inside shoot. So, like, yeah, magnificent omniscope for sure. The Skymine stood out to me as a second choice. Um, yeah, like yeah, when I looked good. at this, I'm like, I'm like the the fail safe. I don't really want to put my Endrin work based on something dying, especially you know, like no, I don't, I, think, I don't like that. I mean, the shoots again, like it's okay, but a dice roll for one in every six, well, what one one in every d six might die. So what average one to two if I've got up, you know, ten to eleven guys mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Omniscope and then Sky Mines were my two choices. Yeah, I agree with that. They're actually clearly for me. They're it's like if I have a frigate full of thunders, malefic Sky Mine. If I have a thunders full of Ender Riggers or Sky Wardens, it's a magnificent Omniscope. It's like that's the the trade off. The other reason why Omniscope is first and Sky Mines are second is it's a risk. Like if I have my Sky Mines as my first choice and there's no flying units, mm -hmm. then I've just I've just wasted my whole end uh, engine work. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's great, you know. Like let's say I get I get within six of Kairos or uh, Teclas or some type of flying flying uh, monster. Sweet, I can do up to D six mortal wounds on it. That's pretty nice. 
<laughs> Surprise! <laughs> but you got, but 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 that's that's why I'm like, mm-hmm. but you got to get get within six. Good luck, good luck. You you probably it's it's a challenge in itself. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go like Archeon. I don't know. Let's go Archeon. Yeah, D six mortals I mean, first, and then shoot him. It's it's the things are going to be chasing the thunderers. Frigate probably have fly. So you're, you, it's always nice to have. And the things that you're going to be like, ramming down your opponent's throat probably are not going to be fighting, you know, flying it, fighting of a flight unit. Um, so especially now that we are, what, we have corn and Hedonites. And corn is mostly all Bloodthirster fly. And then Hedonites have, like, nothing with fly except for the name characters. And that's it, right? Like, that, that's that's all they got. Yeah, there's, um, there's so, not really a lot of, there's not really a lot of flying in, um, in Hedonites. Yeah. But but uh, I'm seeing a lot of talk like mighty mighty skull crushers with their two plus save is getting a lot of um, a lot of noise online. So that's not going to help you if people go towards the mortal side. But uh, this is not the corn show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what about the gun haul? What about gun haul? Do you, do you still like gun haulers? It feels like I haven't seen a lot of gun haulers lately. Will they make a resurgence? And if you took them, what would be the engine work? Uh, so if I did take him, it's probably because I'm running the command trait to make them battle line. So that way I don't have to invest in a third battle line unit uh, or I'm playing Barak Urbas. And if I did take him, uh, I would definitely, and I had the ability to t- take an engine work on, I would take the, come on, you, you know the answer. It's it's D6 mortal wounds when I charge <laughs> something. I mean, it's basically, it's basically another RAM. Think about it that way. You wouldn't make it a a, a, a transport vessel, no, because that because that would be tempting, right? Like that that would be a tempting option. It's it's the only time I would see that happen is if because like the people the reason why people used to do the collapsible compartments was because they were taking the spell in the bottle and they were using Sylphin to do the pregame the hero phase move and then that way the unit they were throwing in the your opponent's face was like very fast and it was also like kind of like a low investment risk. And that's why they were doing it. So less like it's very, it's much less likely you'll see it more u- like used as well, uh, unless somehow your opponent decides to have sharpshooter thunderers and they just decided to have a way to basically put something in this really weird spots so that way they can get range to your JCs. But more consistently than not, you'll probably see the depth settlers torpedo because um, there's one thing KO always needs more of, and that's more of an output. So you got to find way, as many ways to get more more into the army as possible. I was literally about to say that would do what I was going to say is, is that when you're up against Night Haunt, you're either playing volume or you need to find mortal wounds, and you just don't have enough natural mortal wounds in your army. So going too heavy on the rend, going too heavy on you know very specific high damage, you yeah. could have a bad time in, in certain matchups. It's not even just night on just like Six of darkness is also like another army that like usually kind of doesn't care about your win that much um and then you know stormcast eternals as well having mortal wounds and it's all oh, by the way it's another sequentially damage that gets to be done outside of the shooting phase which is always nice to KO. uh and that's where you're trying to maximize on his image every phase as much as possible is my is my take for him yeah, no longer is it like as we've said at the top of the show. No longer is it about flying high, loading up with the highest volume of rend, which is why you didn't choose spell in the bottle, purple sun for that reason, right? It's no longer drop, drop yeah. sun, pew pew pew, and make the most of it. Um, it's the playstyle has changed a lot. Yeah. 
Now, where are you at? Like, are all six of these sky ports equal in their own right? Um, some stand out more than others. I just want to say I love Barrack Thring, but yep. it kills me that I can't put my ally Duarden in a ship. If I could put <laughs> if I could if I, if this if this that's the one rule I needed to happen. If it said um you get the Skyfarer keyword. And I could put that Rune Lord, I could put that Fire Slayer Priest, that one idiot on a boat, I'd be really happy. Right. But right now, like I look at it and go, right, you do a prayer once, and then for the rest of the game, these little heroes running up the board, just trying to keep up. I, so there's, yes, and there's an extra thing that I will say, I'm kind of frustrated that Cyber Legions, because I wish it said allied and non-allied Warden Priest. I'm still hoping, hope at some point or another, we'll get like, priests like in some manner like through an artifact in a ghb or maybe expanded line like say like Rugni ever comes out as a warp scroll that's like a coalition it like you know or something like where we could still have a priest in the army like i would because now then by making an allied warden it's only ever going to be allies uh and once again allies don't benefit from allegiance mechanics so a whole other situation i would love to be able to put a sky affair like hero with like some kind of the priest version of an arcane tome and then like barack train would be like just absolutely amazing at that point uh in terms of sub faction for sure where do you stand on on all six of these so i went into my little rant around three because it sounds really <laughs> cool i thought about it I'm like this is a really cool prayer and i actually quite like it because it it would work quite well in ko other than the logistical how does that priest keep up right. um I mean, 16 is still okay, but with the it's speed in KO, with the speed in KO, it, you will, you'll outrun that range pretty quickly, or you're holding your force back just to be able to tap into that prayer. And it's funny because they didn't give it to um, Endrin Riggers or Skywarden, which is actually the unit you would really want it on because they have the highest volume of shooting uh, to fetch, to fetch for mortal wounds, which is, it's fine. It's thunders. Like it's, they're still pretty good. Archons are still pretty good. For sure. But yeah, you're right. It's it's too slow to keep up. Um, for me specifically, like you asked me earlier, which one I think would rate, like if they're all equal. So I think the one data point that misses on this slide, the reason why they're all equal is what they unlocked for Bowline and also what they unlock for Heroes. Um, so Barachnar is a very good sub-action, not, not the face value of the sub-allegiance mechanic, because I will say, we'll talk about it more, but like, KO really doesn't need that much CP generation anymore. Like it feels like it does, but there's plenty of ways of getting free CP uh, generation through the War Scrolls. So like it's cool to have, but it's not like a super necessity. But Barachnar gets Battleline uh, Thunderers, which is super awesome, and then they get uh, uh, Brock, which is a super good uh, hero in the book now. Uh, so when we get to his War Scroll, we'll talk more about him. But that's like that's why you like it's highly rated. It's because of the other two things, uh, Barak Urbas gets gun haulers as battle lines, which, you know, we talked about, like, that's, you know, that's a really nice thing. And to be honest, they probably have the strongest sub-faction mechanic. Having two articles is super nice, like, plus two-inch movement to your boats, and then uh, pick a unit, be plus one to wound for the rest of the game, except for everything in your army is is pretty nice. Uh Zilfin, all your frigates become battle line. So when we're talking about, like, low-drop army uh, construction... Barak Zilfin is still the king because you make all your frigates battle line, which means they don't take the of slots. So that's a huge value. And then also great ending work. So you can have your ram on the ironclad and then your magnificent omniscope on a frigate. 
So super awesome. We talked about Barack Tring. Barack Zon, probably one of you know my, like my personal favorite in terms of faction mechanic, uh, because it's I love the fact that it makes my sky. It's no longer just the sky wardens. It's like every skyfarer. That's your heroes. That's your 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 Arcanaut company. That's like everything that's not a boat gets plus one uh, to it and moon when they charge, and that's really powerful. Uh, but sadly, they don't really have any kind of like like I think it makes sky warden battle line in the sub faction. But it's just like that's. You know, in comparison to the other factions, I think they're a little bit lackluster in that department. And then Barak Moar, which gets, I think, like, you know, probably you'll see a lot of play in GTs is because it stops command abilities, which is a really powerful mechanic, period. Uh, if you just play this very aggressive play style, which is what Barak Mornar is, it's it's basically the elite pirates, like truly the pirates of Caradon Overlords. And then they have access to, you know, uh, Drekki, which is a really good hero. And we'll talk about his war scroll. And then the other named character from the Underworld Warband, which also is a really cool uh, kind of mechanic. So in terms of like unlocking things, uh, the way I would rank them for me is it starts with Barak Zilfin, Barak Nar, Barak Zon, Barak Urbas, or Barak Zon for fluff reason, not because Barak Urbas is necessarily worse. And then Barak Mornar, Barak Thring, until they fix the priest thing. I would love to see them to fix the priest thing or at least clarify it. <laughs> Yeah, because technically, as well, the new under the new mercenaries are actually they're not they're actually are they allies or are they mercenaries? So mercenaries are allies now. They're just they, they the problem is that it's 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 the way they word in it. It's like they want you to break the rules, but they didn't actually say yes. We want you to break the rules. <laughs> so. I'll be honest. I've spent no time looking at the regiments of renown. I've given it zero look. Um, but I think one thing I will say is um, having the the privilege of looking at every book so far, like getting access to to preview, I find most books have a couple of good options and then a couple of ones that aren't very good. They're very narrative. Right. When I look when I look at this, like majority, if not all of them, have some type of play. Even yeah. Barrack Thring, even Barrack Thring, right? You could. Yeah. This, this to me is like a once per game benefit. And if you get any more access, even better. It's like, cool, buff up those Arcanaut cap, uh, company or the, the Thunderers, send them forward, shoot, shoot, shoot with your little special ability. And then if you happen to get in range again, turn three or whatever it might be, or maybe you've got a, a unit that holds back. Awesome. But when I look at it, yeah, Nah, Zilfen, Zon, Urbaz, they've all, they've all even more Nah is a bit more techie. They've all got play. They've all got play. Yep, I agree. I, I kind of wish for Barak thing they made it an addition to regular damage instead of like the attack sequence stops uh, because it punishes you for um, like not punishes you, but it's like it's with the way Gits came out and some of the other triggering of mortal wounds from the newer books came out. It felt like if you're going to give Gits this this version, why are you giving everybody else the worst version of this? Like, and it's not it's. It's really not that oppressive when you think about like what thunders are doing in an output for mortal wounds. So it's just like I was I was very shocked by like how they they made it so it's the attack sequence stops after the rolling the six. But it is what it is. Uh, Flamingo pie asking an interesting question around Drecky. I mean, do we have a a long history of Black Library models? Not yet, but we have it in the battle tome, right? So Drecky is in the book. So I would like to think that this model we supported for a long period of time but obviously yeah. i can't predict how gw is going to play but 
go buy it, go support it, and then we're likely to keep it on the on the range. I can't see them legending it in a year or two, but Gotrek's been around for ages, and um, it'll probably lead me to a question of how you feel about Gotrek. But I don't see <laughs> I don't I don't see Drecky disappearing from the range anytime soon, considering he's in the book. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. I think it also because they didn't add any new name characters in this edition, in this release, like they were just kind of, they were kind of all in on like making sure the underworld stuff gets used as kind of like the new name characters for each of those, like, uh, or Black Library releases as like the new name characters for each book. Yeah. Speaking of, I, I, I kind of threw a little, little uh, bit of bait in the water about Got Trek. Where are you at with him? Would you bring this Duarden? Because he wouldn't get the priest. He certainly is not a priest, but he is a Duarden. Is there a play for that combat-focused, middle-of-the-board, yeah. smash people in the face with our favorite Fire Slayer, not Fire Slayer? <laughs> you mean Grimnir? Uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> uh, I was going to say, the way I would describe a track is, you know, we talked about earlier about amendments, of footnotes, and, and articles about how there's something new, something old, something different. He plays really well into the something different like archetype. So if you wanted to basically bring a Brack Mornar list, which is I think what really super maximizes the something different build, or even Barak train to an extent, the problem is you can't take Allied Priest into uh with Gotrek, which sucks. Uh the, the question is like, what does Gotrek give you? Well, if you're gonna play a mostly foot KO, Gotrek gives you that board presence pressure up front. So he's still super relevant in that type of archetype. But if you're going to bring a boat list, he feels weird in a boat list, uh, mostly because the boat list wants to, he, he gets left behind is what it comes down to. So you're kind of already kind of jamming into your opponent, like I said, fury eroding your opponent of KO boats. And then Gotrek is just a bite stander. Uh, you know, he's a, uh, what's the actor's name who played the main character in Fury Road? He's just, he's doing his own thing. Totally separate. <laughs> he, he, he's the, he's the dude at the at the back with the guitar and the big speakers blaring out. <laughs> just, it's, he might as well not be on the table, uh, because most of the time your opponents are going to either try to ignore him or you're in your opponent's boats. So it's like he he it's he, he's kind of like if you play foot kale, thumbs up. If you play both kale, thumbs down. <laughs> what what if? And I'm just playing devil's advocate here. What if you had Gotrek in the middle of the board and on your flanks you had your two boats or you had your boat concentration? Sure. So you're trying to you're trying to force your opponent in the center of the board because one of the one of the strategies against Gotrek is avoiding that 18-inch bubble and try to avoid right. him like the plague. Well, I can't say that anymore. Look how COVID went for us. But if you're in the <laughs> middle of the if you're but if you're if you're like concentrating people with like really strong firepower from the sides and forcing them in the middle. Does that change your thoughts on 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 Gotrek, or is that just more theory hammer and not enough practicality? Well, it depends what kind of like if you're doing the double ironclad build, then maybe I could see Gotrek being like a relevant thing because you're not planning on charging necessarily. But if you're playing the frigate build, you're definitely playing on charging. So like if you're not actually playing on the flanks when the frigate builds, you're you're playing more of like into your opponent's like flanks. Uh, and that's a very different, like, you know, aggressional play style. And even if you decide to delay that move by one turn to get more Gotrek into position, it doesn't really buy you anything because your opponent's still going to try to ignore Gotrek anyway. So it, it, the equational math is still similar. It's just it's one turn later. Uh, so most of the time you're going to be, if you play frigates, you're going to be trying to charge your, the way to milk the most damage out of frigates is move over your opponent's units and charge them. 
like that's how you melt damage with frigates. Uh, it's not to stand still and just shoot them from the flank, basically. Uh, first, first off, you just reminded me, uh, KO players, I'd like to welcome you to the ABC club. Uh, it's one that I, in my nearest and dearest hearts as a destruction <laughs> player, always be charging. ABC, always be charging with that frigate. Um, I, I probably had the ironclad in my head when I was thought I thought about that because yeah, you're right. The frig the uh, frigates and your gun haulers. I mean, gun haulers aren't that powerful on the sides, but it's the it's the ironclad. One extra thought. I just had this thought. I don't know if it actually would work. You mentioned earlier about Gotrek with a heavy, let's say, Thunderers or um, Arconauts Company. Arconaut companies. I was gonna. I was trying to say Arconaut Admirals. I'm like, no, that's not the word. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> but let's say I've got. Let's say I've got that unit of of thirty um, um Arconaut Company, right? Yeah. And I've got Gotrek on the table. Then I've got that ability to do four up rally. Mm -hmm. Can you see a possible list brewing there? Maybe some legs? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think it has legs. If you're going to do the foot build KO, Gotrek is, yeah, you want to take him. He does the job the frigates are going to do or the ironclad is going to do without having you investing in those boats, which is it's going to deter your opponent from forcing down an alleyway, basically. You're closing a gap of, of combat for him. Uh, and then that's what the bulls do, especially the ironclad does today, right? So, yeah, no, go tracking a foot old KO is very nice for sure. It's it's there as an option if you like it, it may not be your play style, you do you. Um, which then leads us to your grand strategies and your battle tactics. You did have one grand strategy which is gone because you don't have Urgold anymore. Not Urgold, <laughs> <God>. um, <laughs> wrong, 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 stunt, run, wrong, stunty there. Um, <laughs> When I looked at the when I looked at the the blades of corn grand strategies last night, uh, I got to admit none of them really stand out to me. Is this the same opinion with KO, or do you think we've got some good options here? We have good options, but two are clearly superior from all the other options, and one is vastly superior even than the second one. Um, before I'll tell you what I'll, I'll talk about the second one, and I'll let you guess what the first one is—the vastly superior one. I have to read okay. now. Go for it. You go for it. <laughs> so the second one, which I think is like, you know, it's still really good, but not quite as good as the best one, is Protector Fleet. Um, after your deployment, your opponent must pick one terrain feature to hold a bounty of minerals or wealth. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy to control that terrain feature. It's actually really nice because of how terrain feature control works uh, and the way the army plays to just be able to snag something in the late game with, you know, fly eye, uh, especially since frigates are five models and so forth. It's in terms of like, it's not hard to play, but you actually have to really think about how you're going to score it. Versus the number one grand strat, which I'll let Kush basically decipher. I hope I've given you enough time to read. <laughs> See, so first off, prospective fleet. Prospective fleet is my style of game. That's that's right. that's me. I'm I'm a Timmy type player. I'm, I love those types of things. So prospective fleet would be my favorite. But if I was going to choose one for a tournament, I think Defender Flagship would be my favorite. Uh, assuming I'm going in with the durability build, um, sure. I think I think it's achievable. Um, I it's hate achievable. guided. I don't like guided by the code. I don't like any grand strategy that relies on four battle tactics. Battle tactics. Uh, yeah. 
in the heat of the moment, I shouldn't have to choose scoring a, a general's handbook battle tactic or failing my, my grand strategy. Like that to me is, is just feel bad. Yeah. I, I, so my number one is rule disguise. Ah! Um, <laughs> um, it's just, it's just mechanically speaking, it doesn't change your game plan at all. So perspectively, the way you have to play it is you actually have to plan for it. Rule this guy. You don't have to plan for it. You can just literally show up to the table. It's like, do you have any fly behemoth? Cool. I guess I just don't have, I, I can still play the super defensive build, right? Because your boat still has to survive, just like defend the flagship. But you don't have to worry about it. But if your opponent brings a fly behemoth, let me guarantee you that whatever fly behemoth hits the table is definitely something you're trying to kill turn one or turn two. Uh, so it doesn't even matter that it's part of their grand strat. Because let's talk about fly behemoths. It's Bloodthirsters, it's Kairos, it's uh, uh, Nagash, it's Arkhan. Like, things like that where you're like, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> I want to get that thing off the table as quickly as possible. Um, so in, the only other army that can bring like a massive amount of fly behemoth, I think is basically get so they bring all mangler squigs or like a lot of mangler squig which is four or whatever how many they can bring no <laughs> so, no we're, we're not we're, we're not doing that if you listen to any of my videos i'm like i i think when i thought about rule of rule the skies the first thing i thought about and it's the same thing i did with the ko the the corn book was what happens if i my only behemoth uh, a model on my opponent's side is archaeon yeah and I and yes, on one hand, I want to kill him, but sometimes it's better to kill everyone else, deal with the Varangard, deal with the warriors, mm -hmm. and outscore him, and mm -hmm. not have to focus. And I think for me, that's why I didn't choose rule the skies. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, like it's in one of those situations where it's a little harder to do if there's an Archeon on the table, but at the same time, you can basically with a navigator make it so that you don't have to worry about Archeon until like turn three or four. And then just hopefully pick up the rest of your opponent's army or outscore them in so much where the, the grand strategy doesn't matter. But the turn you have to commit to Archeon, and let's say, let's assume you make the two up save in the Celestial Burst Grenade, you can very easily say, I pick him up. Like, it's very hard for Archeon to survive a full KO, especially in the current iteration of this book, a full KO like commitment. It's incredibly challenging for him to do that. It didn't, it yeah. didn't used to be that way. Uh, but yeah, it is very hard now. No, no, especially though that they are going very low drop. They can use like demonic speed. They could be in your face turn one. So they could be very aggressive, which again is why I didn't choose this. But I see, I take your point. I can see it. Me personally, prospective fleet, even defend the flagship, probably defend the flagship is a bit more in my control. But um, I think all three of them have play. I think we both yeah, agree, guided by, the, guided by the code, don't do. Yeah, yeah, any one of those. I'm surprised they keep printing those grand strats because, like, to be honest, this is one of the few books where you can actually achieve that consistently. But it's also kind of as you described, like, why would you tie your grand strat to you achieving battle tactics? That's really that's a, a this easily a five point swing just for failing a battle tactic. It's really bad uh, versus a two point swing. So that's yeah, one hundred percent. It makes me think that maybe General's Handbook 2024, maybe even 2025 may not have grand strategies in the um in the general general's handbook right like they keep put they keep putting it in there and it makes me feel like there's a point in time where they'll just re remove the band-aid and it'll only be book tactics and grand strats 
Yeah. I actually, what my I'm hope, this is to take a cue from 40k. What I'm hoping they do in the next year, GHB, is they, they do what they did for chapter approval, which is take all the battle tactics, all the grand strategy, every battle tome, include them in the GHB, and then rewrite them to balance them out across each other instead of having GHB battle tactics and grand strats, basically. Uh, but like we'll fire, see. What they like, do. like Fire Slayers and Disciples of Zinch, like if you have an army, you win. <laughs> do you, I mean, to be honest, like these, we're going to talk about these battle tactics, but they're, uh, they're on the same kind of level here. <laughs> let's get into, let's get into the battle tactics. This, this, this some really good battle tactics. The only thing I thought about, and I'll, I'll, I'll pass the mic to you in a second is there's a couple of ones that timing issues I thought were a bit off. I thought it was a bit weird. Um, right. cause it, cause it's like, uh, where is it? There's one about disembarking and embarking, but you can't do it yep. in, uh, like anyway, Pass it over to you. Where are you at with your battle tactics? Do you like them? Do you like them all? Ones that you find you're using more than others? Yeah. So I, there is in this this book there is five battle tactics which are easily done, and one that is kind of challenging. Uh, and, and challenging and not and, and not a like it's hard to you to achieve it. It's very dice dependent. Um, so we'll talk about like the ES one in the book. Um, stake a claim. So stake a claim, the reason why it's the easiest, uh, and I'll read it out, is you can pick this tactic only if you control fewer opponents, which is in your opponent. You can please this tactic if you control more objective your opponent at the end of the turn. Let's say you're you're a low drop build or a high drop build. Just don't set up on an objective. Like, sure, like if you don't set up an objective, your opponent goes first, and like, cool, they score one, two more, which they were already going to do anyway. Like, it doesn't matter what your game plan is. But if you they make you go first and you didn't set up an objective and they did set up an objective, you're like, cool, I can do stake a claim. Because it doesn't say not doing it on the first turn. So you just auto-guarantee stake a claim. Very easy. It's like cunning maneuver easy, basically. Uh, and then we got uh, the second easiest one, which is opening salvo. O opening salvo is, it's like one of the battle tactics. I don't even know why they bothered writing that one. Uh, because it was, it was very much like, hey, what does Kale want to do? Oh, yeah, kill something and shooting before there's anything else. Cool. Let's write a battle tactic where it just lets you do that. <laughs> now there is a restriction to it. Like you can't. It's going to get a lot harder to use in the late half of the game because it has to be the, literally the first unit that has to be killed. But it is kind of like if you're playing high drops and your opponent makes you go first because they don't want to take a KO double turn. It's just like okay, I guess I'll just do opening self with turn one. Uh, and it's very easy to do. With very little risk like involved into it. Um, Terms can I, pa can yeah, I pause you on, on opening salvo? Just, I just want to quickly ask you: Do you see a faction or a position where you may be denied opening salvo? So, for example, like one of the <laughs> things that comes to mind is like iron jaws. For example, you know anything sure. that's got speed that can get into your face. Obviously, you've got the mirrors. Like, what are the types of armies that might deny you opening salvo? Okay, yeah, it's actually giants. Giants are one of the factions that can deny you opening salvo just because it's it's hard to mathematically kill a giant in one turn in shooting, even of the amount of shooting KO brings, and it has to be killed in the shooting phase. You're, you're talking obviously uh, mega gargants, not yeah. baby gargants. If there's if there's yeah. baby gargants, you'll you'll kill them easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's talking about the mega the four mega gargants build. It's it's that additional kind of variable into like can i do the number of wounds required to bring them down and that makes it hard to do in terms of iron jaws um usually the iron jaws list you see are pigs and a maw crusher 
And pigs are 15 wounds. So you, it's, you can easily pick up a 15-wound model of pigs. They're not that hard to kill. Like, it's just a three-man unit. Uh, the other unit that can be kind of challenging to do with opening salvo, I, it's it's the, um, what's her name? Uh, the Beast of Chaos list. But like, it's, like, it has to be very, it's like a very niche list. Uh, and it's very unlikely you'll see it. Uh, and I think the lastly, finally, it's just going to be like, probably corn. And the new iteration of corn can be somewhat hard if they went for like the bloodthirster kind of. I don't know. It's opening. I've, so in, I played six games. Opening salvo, I've only failed once, uh, and it was because um, I failed my removing a ward uh, uh, artifact. The guy lived, I think, like three wounds on a on a unit basically because he had a six up ward. So there's still that element of just luck to it. I mean, it's a very luck-based battle tactic. But the reason why I say it's so powerful, it's because it, it's your game plan anyway. You're going to be trying to do this anyway. So it's like, it doesn't, it, it, like, there's no counterplay for your opponent in this in this battle tactic. It's not even about sitting in an objective or anything. It's just literally, oh, do I want to shoot something off the table, turn one? Yeah, it sounds pretty good. That's pretty much what I want to do anyway. So, uh, and yes, you're right. There are some factions that can be problematic, but you can, they're very few and far in this current environment. I will, I will just say before we move on is, uh, if you, especially if you're new to KO, I think understanding probability and likelihood of destroying a unit, especially like looking at the rend, assuming your opponent does all that defense, assuming certain things, um, what's right. the likelihood? Because I can see people overestimating the damage that they do and yep. failing it because one person survived on one wound. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I will say chaos like this weird, like, you have to be really good about snap calling outputs. Uh, you can't just basically assume that, like, one, your experience in the past, like, every battle tactic decision you're going to make is, like, what if I roll the worst possible case in existence? What battle tactic can I do? Okay, is operating salvo still reasonable? Then it's probably the one you want to take at that point. So Yeah, yeah. Stake a claim, opening salvo, two really good opening ones um what else what else do you like there uh blasphemous spasis smithering is also very good in the mid game um to that point because it's you're it's just once again it's plays into the mechanic of how the army wants to play uh and that one at least doesn't require the shooting phase it can also involve the combat phase and charge phase where a lot of KO damage is going to come from nowadays and not just like that yeah so it's a fairly easy one like you know it's like basically game the getting momentum with a lot less restrictions this way i look at uh in terms of like scoreability i always felt mobiles mobilize the fleet and boots on the ground are situational um given that i need to have three friendly units to embark and disembark mm -hmm. um obviously depending on uh battle plans and how much is enemy territory versus neutral territory how achievable is that going to be um they're not bad it's just i think uh, they're not my first couple right Mobile, uh, so boots on the ground is very easy to do with frigates now. It used to be actually kind of annoying to do in the previous iteration of the book uh, because it was a, like a resource commitment. You didn't know if it was going to pay off. In terms of frigates now, it's actually boots on the ground is very easy to do on turn two and onward because the way the disembark mechanic works on the charge and, and so forth. So it's fairly like... And then, like, the only thing that matters is, like, can you have three units survive out of your frigate, basically? And units aren't, and this goes back to something you said right at the top of the show, was that um, you like to put a small hero in every boat because, one, yep. they're not elite, 
but two that obviously then gives you the three options to embark and disembark where you might naturally think Thunderers or Arcanaut Company. No, we could be thinking about Heroes as well. So um, not, not such a bad play. Yeah, and especially now that you can put uh, engine rigs and sky wardens, which can only be a maximum unit size of nine in a frigate that leaves you three slots for three heroes. So technically, you could technically have four units instead of boots for boots on the ground, like very easily, basically. Uh, so in terms of like achievability, it's a very easy battle tactic, and if you basically hold on to things inside the boat after turn one, so mobilize the fleet. You pointed out is I honestly haven't been able to. Sort that one even in the previous book at all very easily um it's just it's just never like i don't like having to deploy units just so i can score mobilize the fleet later it feels weird uh it doesn't feel it doesn't mesh well with the play style of the army yeah this this mobilize the fleet to me seems like a late game battle tactic like right. turn three i've turn three i've done my damage i've got a couple of things that could re-embark turn four i might choose mobilize the fleet or turn five but right. it's not something in the early game i would be looking to use yeah bombing, bombing one being the last nope sorry go for it no no keep going i, I was just going to say bombing the last seems again situational that if i have a unit that i've got attrition but there's a couple of models left and i'm feeling confident that two or three mortal wounds could kill it sure but it's a again like you want to de-risk this as much as possible yeah that's one that's like super dicey to me uh mechanically speaking because um you can only achieve it with sky vessels first so we'll put it out of the way uh so most lists are going to have frigates or ironclads frigates are probably your consistent ways doing bombing runs because of speed uh and the problem is redeploy uh so let's say you were able to hit a unit that's like less like four wounds left in the unit with the first frigate and you don't kill it and then they redeploy away your other frigate might not not be out of range to be able to drop bombs and that's like that's why it's like super dicey to use bombing run you have to be really point your frigates have to be basically point blank and the unit has to be like three to four wounds left to consistently like be able to score that one and again, do you want to be committing your your boats to just bombing running this thing? Like, right. you know, is it the, is it the right decision during the game? Yeah, yeah. And this is like obviously we're talking about these annoying GHB battle tactics. You know, like like I said, er, I mentioned earlier, you still have cunning maneuver, which is very easy, gaining momentum, which is very easy for KO. Uh, you still have uh, unite defense because KO is a lot of generation champions. I don't know. And mechanically speaking, like the like. We, if you just do the easiest three battle tactics in this book, you're going to be solid. <laughs> so, Pro probably the other call out before I move over to the bat but the battalions is um, don't forget that um, bombing racks has no effect on units that can fly. Yeah. So if you see a little a little hero that's got like let's say it's a little vampire lord on foot who can fly, it's got a couple of wounds left. You're like, yes, I'm going to pick that. Yeah, and then you f then you forget that you can't kill it because it doesn't affect. So just keep that in mind. It's because um, there are some little small heroes that can fly that will catch you off. Yep. What, what about the battalions? Is are these worthy of dropping battle reg, commanding entourage, battle reg, warlord, all of those? Like, are, are these things that you would strive for? I think attack squadron is still very good. Having expert and swift, like I, uh, it's just I I can't like in my previous iterations of KO, I used to use a lot more Arcanaut companies. So having actually a struggle 
finding a space for them in their like book. Uh, I, not so because they're bad. They're just like they, they're having a hard time finding a slot for them. And then expert wing is still very good. It's just that once again, it's that weird like limitation. Like I can't seem to build it. I haven't found myself building a list where I have two gun haulers. Uh, and it's like none of those battalions are bad. There's mechanically speaking, they're just having I'm having a hard time building lists that really like uses them effectively. Yeah, yeah, I, I they're okay, but I mean, for me, if I could get into again, Battle Rage, Warlord, Commanding right. Entourage, I feel like that's they're my first choice. But if you have a build, some they're good benefits, but. I wouldn't. I wouldn't purposely build a list towards escort wing unless that was already the current structure of what I wanted to build. Right. The reason battle reg is hard with KO is because the boats on Estrubarag Zilfin are basically uh, they only have one slot in the bat reg. It gets really hard to. You can still you know squeeze a bat reg into the army, but it like it doesn't give you a huge matter of fact you know low drop count if you do that with multi boat situation. You're more likely probably going to run. Um, Warlord or Commander Rush for the extra enhancements because you have really good ones. Um, and then finally speaking, uh, Galatian Sharpshooter is a mechanic. It's a bit time. And it's like the first time I think there's an army that benefits a lot from Galatian Sharpshooter is Mikael, uh, basically. Yeah, yeah. Most armies will have like one good shooting unit in that battalion. You actually have the tools to put all three having very good damage. Right. So yeah, good, good, good shout there. Um before we get into your list, I do want to talk quickly about the code right, the new um the new minor hero. Um mm-hmm. what was your what was your first read on it? Is this something that you're going to take? Do you like it? Because you do have a lot of minor heroes. You have a lot of sub commanders. Yeah. I to be honest, like I was just, when I first you came out, I was just like I want to fit him in every list I can I can play with. And then as I started playing games, I've been finding ways and ways to cut him. Uh, and that's not these rules are bad. It's just that. So I think most people, when first looked at the face value, were like the extra CP is like massive because it seems to be a very CP hungry army. Uh, but then you find that like there is like you know flagship mechanics. Uh, there is like the old Grunstruck commentary. There's way where like you don't or Barak uh, Nar where you basically don't feel like you CP starve during the game. Uh, so it was just like okay, so. I guess he's niche for certain sub-factions. Fine, that's not too bad. His other mechanic is fantastic, which is the, you know, he's getting an extra footnote most of the time and then potentially having an amendment, you know, or swapping to another amendment. But as I've been playing the game, I've been finding that, like, I have never needed to swap. <laughs> so uh, it's been, like, it's been this weird situation where I'm just like, I don't know where to put him. I just don't know where, like, where I'm going to get the max value out of his hero. And even though like his rules are fantastic, I just I, personally speaking, I haven't found. I'll, I'll frame it this way: I think what he does the best is it helps players who are not so experienced as me have this kind of um, get away, get out of jail card to make a hero. Basically, he helps them address certain decisions they made during the game that penalize them, like losing general early or uh, spending it on the wrong battle, uh, the wrong uh, uh, commandability. And he kind of really helps address that mechanic uh, or those types of those types of mistakes. That's the way I would like, I think I've come down to the code, right? I've tried to make him work in my list. And every time I'm like, he's the fat I have to cut. I have never been able to find, I'm like, yeah, this guy just brings so much value to me all the time. 
It's interesting because when you look at it, he's 90 points, which is, right. is not very expensive, right? You got a little hero. Yep. Um, being able to get extra CP is always good. Uh, getting access to additional footnotes and amendments can be good, especially because all your footnotes are once per game. Right. But it sounds like what I'm hearing from you is while they're all nice, they're not critical to your strategy and there are other sub-commanders who are competing in that same space that maybe, like we've said, the Navigator, for example, might be a better investment or it could be right. upgrading uh, boat A to boat B. Right. The uh, I think for me it's the... The, the, the problem I've been running into with him is the uh, A, I really want him to swap the amendment uh, in case I want to go from swapping from the reroll ones uh, to hit amendment back to the 2d6 charge amendment. It, but it's not consistent. It's a dice roll. And, and so the 50, it's a coin toss effectively. And find that like, it's not like the investment of, that's really where his value is. And in that investment for him, for just that value, I was like, I'd rather have an extra Endrin Master or, um, you know, uh, basically Navigator if I don't have one already. Like, he's just like, the Navigator is just so much more value for me than than a code, right? I guess the challenge as well is that um, when you swap out your a footnote or your amendment, it's happening as a heroic action. Right. So you're you're trading off finest hour, you know, heroic leadership, heroic recovery, uh, right. all of all of those right and yes in this this uh this gbh there's abilities to do two of them but averagely it's like do i want to spend that resource and yeah uh, what i'm what i'm hearing from you is it's a nice to have not necessarily a critical unit to ko right yeah that's the that's the way i would i would basically it's he's a nice luxury I, to be honest, I've had games where I'm, I'd rather have the 80 points down for having the triumph than the code right. That's how much I value the triumph than the code right. So, yeah, it's interesting actually because this year it feels like people are starting to, not you, but just people in general are starting to see the value in triumphs. First off, for years, people have even forgotten that was a mechanic in the game. But now I'm starting to see people playing for it. People going, you know, even like uh, Noah Singh is going down like 100 points, even 150 points to guarantee a triumph and going double triumph. Um, Gits have made it very important to see um, being able to like avoid Battleshock immunity and stuff. So, yeah, triumph, yeah. I can see value. You play into that so well with the plus one to wound. Yeah, and then if you're low enough, you're blocking gets from having indomitable. So it's another like vap prop. So points changed. And look, we can go into the weeds. There's a lot of minor changes here or there. Anything that you thought like really stood out to you, like, oh, the points now are too expensive. I'm going to drop it. Or you know what? That navigator going down 15 points now makes it a worthy addition to my army. Is there anything that kind of stood out to you without going to war and peace? You know, at first when I saw the 60-point increase of frigates, I was just like, oh, my God, what have they done to my frigates? And then I read frigates, and I was like, no, this that's probably fair. <laughs> Honestly, all the points are I, – I, I like the only unit I will say probably was still overcosted, and I know I'm going to burn in hell for this one, is uh, the Thunderers, which uh, I still feel are probably 10 points to 15 points too expensive. Uh, but other than that, like everything else – I would even argue that frigates probably could come up even more points than they already are, which I know a lot of KO players are probably going to hate me for saying that. But, you know, for the most part, all the points seem pretty, like, good in that book. I tend to agree with Abel. Is like when I look at the gun hauler at 170, I'm like, oh. 
I feel like that's a bit too expensive. Like I used to pay 150 for them as a Tempest mm-hmm. Eye Coalition. And I thought that was fair. Like one, it floated between what, 130 to 150. And I thought that was good. 170 as a Tempest Eye player, I wouldn't take it. I mean, you did gain like an extra save on it. Uh, it doesn't like, and it gives six up war to boats, which now have more wounds than it used to. So the 10 point addition is, you know, I can see why, but they also made their its guns, like the cannons and the underslung guns better because the underslung gun used to be like a really bad version of the frigate or the ironclad version, but now it's just a two shot version of that. So it actually had a fairly good glow up in terms of output and durability. It's just that, yes, it's, why am I paying 170 points? That's almost like, you know, I could wait 130 more points and buy a whole new frigate. But the uh, once again, I'll be like, frigates are under cost. <laughs> yeah. so that, 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 and, and, and that to me is exactly right. Like as, as a Tempest I play, I put my little Cities of Sigma hat on. Uh, I would use hitches to put on six engine riggers right. uh, on, right. on, a, on a boat, which I can't do and I can't do. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Oh, I, I'd rather just do a frigate. I'd rather just do an ironclad. Yeah. But but yeah. yes, the six up ward to another boat is good. Um, there are some things in it that's good. But I just yeah, to me, 170 feels a little bit too too pricey. But you make some good points. Give me cheaper gun haulers. I would love to know Barack Urbas list of nothing but gun haulers. We can call it the uh, the you know, dance of the cannons because it's just going to be cannons, cannons, cannons. <laughs> I want to ask you about Brock, but I know one of your lists has Brock, so I'm going to save it. Because I looked at that, like, nobody takes Brock. Nobody takes – I've never seen Brock on the table ever in the entire Age of Sigma. Uh, And then he went up 60 points. I'm like, what on earth? So I'm going to save that point until one of your lists because we're actually going to bring it up. And here he is. Here's Brock. (laughs) So for those who are joining us on a podcast later on, uh, this is a Barrick Nar list, Rule the Sky, Triumph, um, your articles are Master the Sky, Prosecute Wars with All Haste, and there's no reward without risk. You got Brock, you've got uh, Etheric Navigator, which is the General, X Grunstock, and Voidstone as the artifact. Endron Master with Endron Harness, Arcanaut Admiral, uh, Celestial Burst Grenade, and the Aspect of the Champion Leadership of the Alpha. Nine Endron Riggers, 10 Grunstock Thunderers, one Gun Hauler, one, two Frigates, uh, one having the heavy, ca- both having heavy cannon, one being the Omni Scope at 1920. So this is all wrapped up in. Battle Reg and Commanding Entourage. So this is a five drop. Um, lots of wounds. Well, lots of wounds for, for for a KO army. 103 wounds. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Brock since we were mentioning earlier. If you're going to play Barak Nar, it's because you're investing in, in Brock. Like, it's very hard to argue you get a lot of value of Barak Nar if you don't take Brock. So two things about Brock. He's he's a war master for uh, Barak Nar, so it's an additional, you know, in terms of protection for cp generation uh he also has the same mechanic as the admiral for run charge shoot and for boats but he gets to give it to three boats i think anywhere on the table uh which is really cool uh yeah 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 as long as they're outside of three inches of all enemies yeah yeah it's it's just really nice to have uh in terms of commendability and we'll talk more about why it's really nice because it really synergizes the uh articles the amendments and so forth but really, his value is in is like firstly, his shooting prowess is the exact same as a frigate. When you look at his actual output and shooting, it's literally almost the same as a frigate, except his his is eighteen inch range, versus a frigate is twelve inch range. <laughs> Don't know why, but they decided to worry them now. 
Um, he's a, 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 because he hits the cannon threes and wounds on, I think, twos as well on the cannon shot. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, well. yeah he's, he's just basically a frigate in terms of average of like damage. Uh, and his six shots are the exact same as a gu- four shots from a frigate. Like, he's a frigate with guns, uh, basically. Uh, and then mechanically speaking, he also he has a decent melee profile, nothing to write home about. But then when you look at his ability to give an extra attack to all Barachnar Typhair units, if there are a whole even 12 of them after he makes a charge, he's basically Chattakar from Soul Blight. Uh, it's really interesting because it affects him, it affects the, the Admiral, it affects the Endrin Master, it affects the Endrin Rickers he comes with. Like, on all of a sudden, you're, you're having like a ton a ton of attacks out of all these kind of high quality attacks. We're talking about Ren 2, Ren 1, 3 damage, D3 damage. Like, it's just like, keep in mind, like, in this build, you're putting all of them into one frigate, the one of the Omni Scope. So you're going to get to strike first with everything after you charge with that and you disembark all of them. And so, like, you're, you're basically playing eels with guns, is the way I describe this list. You're playing Deepkin eels, like old school eels with guns. Uh, and then the other frigate basically houses the uh, navigator and the uh, uh, the Gun Thunders, whose job is to effectively pick off another flank at range and and not have to you know overly commit to the board edge. But the Thunders are, I think, you know, had a major glow up in the book. I still think they're all too expensive for what they do. But the special weapons, the way they are now, they're very good uh, in terms of like what they used to be. So yeah, the fact. I feel like the the frigate changes have really unlocked Brock and what you just talked about. Like you have never really wanted to get into melee. It's not really been a focal point. And, you know, Brock even does D3 mortal wounds in combat after he's fought as yeah. well. So in addition to the, the plus one attacks, in addition to everything you've just spoken about, and you're right, there's a bunch of rend. Uh, the the Grunson boat does... Uh, most does D3 plus three damage. Uh, there's, you know, two damage on the six attacks from the charter. Uh, D3 damage uh, from the four attacks with Ren 2 from the saw. He's got a pretty solid profile. Uh, eight wounds, yep. three up save. You know, you could find us our rim before he, like, goes crashing in. Um, yep. Or if you stay in combat, you can, uh, you know, on the defense, you do finest hour. Or as someone said to me recently that I'm going to steal from them from now on, it's their birthday. Like, I like that. <laughs> it's the, I will say Brock is very armored for a guy who was, was born. But <laughs> or if you mean like, <laughs> no, I, I mean he is he is technically carried in a, berry, a baby carriage, so I guess it is his birthday. Um, no, it, so mechanic, like, it's it's weird to me because I used to play this more of a. Of, with a KG playstyle KO, but I still try to engage in combat as often as because I was always fishing for the additional mortal wound output from either dropping bombs in the combat phase or the ram charges. But now this army just does that natively, like between the fly, the movement mortal wounds, because you know mechanically speaking, that frigate that Brock is on is a 16-inch with the Endon Riggers, the Emerald, and the Endon Master. It's a 16-inch movement frigate. That has a 2d6 inch run. So, in case you're like, you know what, I don't need to shoot the engine riggers or any of the characters inside, I could just run it 2d6 and it gets to shoot and charge. Oh, and when I do charge, it's a 3d6, which I can easily reroll with a command point. So, all of a sudden, that like that frigate, even if it just moves 16, is like a 3d6 reach. And then, if it makes any charge, the entire package inside is incredibly deadly <laughs> to basically a lot of armies. And even if you 
don't necessarily want to use it as a way to kill things. Like all the characters being inside, you can lock up multiple enemy units. And so the activation games gets really hard for them to just be like, I'm stuck in combat, these stupid idiot dwarves. Uh, and then when it's their hero phase, you're like, oh, I'm going to activate the animal in your hero phase and I'm going to swing him. <laughs> you get like maximum value out of like just unloading that freaking in your opponent's line. Even if you don't kill the things you're looking for, like it completely disrupts their game plan. And then you still have a frigate full of thunderers just like raining hell upon them, uh, you know, after that. So, yeah, it's a it's an absolute mobile Death Star, and I love it. I love it. Um, quick one before we move on to the other unit choices, because Flamingo Pies asked actually quite a good question is, um, what about double re battle reg? Could you do double battle reg with this setup? And why would you go five drops when you could go two? Uh, so sadly you can't, unless you broke the thunders into two units, because you need four units that are not, uh, basically frigates. Um, so to get it to a bat, two bat reg, you'd have to drop the thunders into two units of five, or the end riggers into unit six and unit three. Which is not like you're not you're not losing that much. I, I prefer the bigger block of thunders because of unleash hell, because of uh, all at attack, because I usually save all attack for them in the first phase uh, more than I save it for the actual boats, uh, especially since it's free from the general because he's the X construct. Uh, so that's why it's not lower drop. And honestly, I really like having, we talked about it earlier, the Void Stone and the Celestial Burst Grenade. Uh, those two artifacts like, are really prep you for what whatever kind of matchup you're going to meet in the in the meta, which is either is a super highly durable Squigherz or 5-up ward, or you know, being able to stop uh, Skagrox teleportation spell, or is it going to be able to stop Teclis' 5-up ward? Like having the Void Stone is like, I feel like, super valuable in whatever matchup you play in a GT, even if you don't use it. Is it fair to say that uh, KO isn't reliable as relying on the low drop game than other factions? Because you've got the mobility, you've got yeah. the speed, you've got you've got ways to get, like for example, like a static, I don't know, Zinch or Sentinel build Lumineth is more reliant on having to the lowest drops possible. To dictate. Yeah, and so like I think their change in my mental framework was when they added the claim battle tactic, where now there's an incentive for me to not even try to deploy on points, and I can just ignore the point and deploy as conservatively as I can possibly do without actually being out of reach for my opponent. Because while the one frigate is with all the melee, you know, basically the melee that's it gets to the two d six, three d six, two d six run, and then three d six charge, the other one can just sky high. And then just go wherever it's to to unload its guns. Basically, you got a shooting one, and then you got a really melee one. So, like, even though you lost sky high on the entire army, like having a frigate that moves sixteen of two d six run and then three six charges, it's pretty much almost the entire table in the current environment. <laughs> it's very fast. Uh, yeah, and even though you lost your range, like the tables have gotten smaller, so it's, right. it's not that big. One 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 more question before I get you to, to continue on the list because I think it's again a really good one. Since we talked about the Death Star, so Death Star being that, you know, you've got this bubble of concentrated power being that you've loaded right. up your ironclad or your frigates, um, for anyone who doesn't know the terminology um, that we're talking about. But, you know, the discussion here or the question here is about is it a risk or is it dumb to put all your all your eggs in one basket? Because if you load up this frigate and then it's just 3D6 charging, you're putting all your buffs on it, you're putting all your troops in it, um, is it dumb to put all your eggs in one basket? 
I think it's uh, most of the time, I think that's the right assumption in most armies. But the way I look at it, when I put all these eggs in one basket, and I, I, I hinted at that earlier, is if I do engage my opponent's army early in the game with the things inside, it's not because I'm trying to necessarily kill the things I'm trying to hit. I'm trying to disrupt his game by locking things into combat. Like, it's not they're hard to remove, but they're durable enough to just be like, if my opponent deployed incorrectly, I can make it very painful for him to have to pile in and try to engage things. It's fundamentally, it's just, it's very disruptive to my opponent's game plan. And to be honest, like the games I've played so far, uh, it's not been super punishing for approaching the game that way. Uh, and maybe it's because most people are not yet practiced against KO, but also it feels that like, that is kind of how Kale wants to play now uh, because of how their battle tactics work, how their output works. And to be honest, like I, you could be all eggs in one basket and be out of range almost at anything in your opponent's army and still be able to reach them. Like it's very hard for armies to just basically be able to touch the frigates now. If you just play, like the only army I think I can do it consistently is Beast of Chaos like very easily, like not have to worry. And if your opponent is a very deep strikey specific army, you can just hunt up your boats and you're far as possible and they want to try to engage you, you can just call, I'm going to unleash hell with the uh, thunders and the two frigates or the thunders and the end riggers and one frigate because of uh, leadership of the alpha. Like it's just, it's, it, it's more like you're trying to fetch your opponent, making your opponent make a misplay and then if you do overcommit, it's about disrupting more and less about killing things. Because uh, I have played against New Corn of it, and I basically locked down Scarbrand and Bloodthirster with one Admiral because he wasn't able to pile in and swing to the Admiral, but he was locked into three inches of combat with him. So you can find those. It's very easy to find those little small pockets of those heroes because you get to disembark three inches out of your frigate, and then you get to pile in three inches once you get... You know, actually activate, and you can really squeeze that like that pain or misdeployment effectively. And half of that is also on you as the player. Like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. So if right. I play, for, like, let's say for example, I'm the KO player, and I come to a tournament, and I'm up against a Stormcast player, and they've got I don't know, let's say three units of long strikes that are reinforced in, and they put them in the sky. They can come down and shoot me off and shoot me and, and do all the stuff, right? So in that situation, the decision would be not to put all the eggs in one basket. But for most ones, I mean, you've got the option, which I, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. So you will learn over time when is a good time to do it and when you don't time to do it or look for those things. Like if this person can turn one charge me, maybe don't do it. If I don't have these things on, don't do it. It's, 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 it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue with leaving units out of the boats because how good the boats are defensively for the units inside the boats. Uh, and that's and the only thing you, the only penalize the penalty you get is if the boat dies, you have to honor one, a model that model dies, right? It's, that's the biggest penalty, but to be honest, the upside of defensively sitting in the boat against like long stresses still better than that. If he's choosing to shoot the units inside the boat, you're like, Whew, he's not shooting the boat. Because <laughs> they're, mi <laughs> they're minus because they're minus one to hit, they get plus one yeah. save. So yeah. 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 And it's really they're fishing for sixes if they're gonna snap your heroes, because they're minus two to hit the heroes if they're like you know, because they're women one inch or three inches of they can't even shoot the heroes unless they're sharpshooter most of the time. So <laughs> um so yeah, they're probably shooting the boat, which is you know. 
it's they're pretty chunky. Frigates are pretty chunky now. Three up save and fitting wounds. Like they're not they're not they're not what they used to be. <laughs> this is a dwarven grunge right now. They don't make frigates like they used to. <laughs> they made them better. <laughs> no. Plus, plus you can obviously, um, plus you can obviously, uh, all add defense as well. So, um, right. yeah, anyway, anyway, basically our point is, is it's not as dumb as it might appear, uh, at least in KO. KO, you, you, it's actually not a bad de decision. Yep. That's my argument. Uh, cool. <laughs> Uh, oh, and Kevin saying you can't unleash hell multiple time with leadership of the alpha. I can't remember what Jeremy said, but if that is, uh, if, if Jeremy said that that's, yeah, anyway. I, I, sure. I, I can't wait for somebody to, to, uh, to, to prove me wrong. I love to prove wrong. That's how I grow as a person. <laughs> oh, look, when you're in this much level of detail, it's so hard to remember yeah. every, every yeah, little yeah, yeah. thing. Oh my gosh. Um, anyway, so you've got your Admiral, you've got your, uh, how does the rest work? Like without going into the weeds of every little decision, like what are the combinations? What are you trying to achieve? Like how does this list actually work? Yeah, sure. Um, so when we talked about mostly the the fury roading of the, frig the frigate into your opponent's base of all the combat stuff, but for the most part, uh, the one thing that is really nice is the Endron Rigger having this basically four up rally mechanics for healing boats, which is really powerful. Uh, it really helps, like, you know, give you uh, this additional durability throughout the game. It's like, I, I'll be honest, like, I, I think it's, I've, I've had multiple opponents say this is probably the most broken mechanic I think they've seen in a long time outside of like Gits. Uh, just basically, like I, so many times, where like the fury roading the frigate and the engine rigger, and the the frigate is like down to one or two wounds, and just retreats in the sky high, and the engine rigger is back into it, and then just like heals it up to full, and the next two following turns, you're like, this is stupid. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, like it it plays this kind of like. A, you know, you use the the thunderbolt to basically pick up a flank or remove the uh, screen, and then you use the uh, admiral with the endrigers. He gives them the extra rent for one for once per game, and then you just basically unload them into whatever additional unit you're actually trying to get to, or try to finish off the secondary screen to set up. And then you just basically commit the the, the fury road boat to just get to fight the you know the, the the soft goodness inside the opponent's army uh because it's really hard for armies to just deal with a bunch of crazy maniacs or rent to you know d3 and be damaged uh you know that get to strike first like you know it's just i against a lot of armies i played now i get uh, into like outside of gets i've seen the army just basically pick up things it's really it's really problematic but for the most part yeah that's how i play it's just sits on objectives one frigate the other frigate plays the disruption game plan and then you don't you try to use stake a claim early because um what's his name uh opening salvo is a little bit risky to do so you try to do stake a claim early and if you don't if you can't do stake a claim early then you got a backup of cunning maneuver or stake a uh, opening salvo but for the most part that's how the play army plays it's like one is a shooting death star and the other is a melee death star and once you commit the melee death star and let's say it survives a whole double turn situation then you can just back back up in your boat and just redo like go back to playing a more traditional ko gauges just shoot your opponent and then sit on points so and that's how brock, the army plays so does brock the engine riggers uh go into the frigate with the omniscope thunderers yeah. go into the other frigate and then where the other so, two where the, the frigate holds 12 models 
So you got nine of the engine riggers, and then you can have three more characters in it. You have the Admiral, Brock, and the engine master. And then the navigator goes with the thunderers in the second frigate. Cool. Cool. Just trying to work out your decision tree and who goes where and, and why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not obvious when you just look at it on paper, uh, for sure. No, love it. Uh, anything else you'd call out about this list, or should we go to your one drop? Um. I, honestly, making it more drops is probably better. You can going into I, 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 one of the arguments I would say is I, I like there's a version of this where I'm running uh, Sharpshooter, and I think Sharpshooter is very good in KO. Uh, do not undervalue Sharpshooter in it. So, no, that's the that's the only additional comment I would make about it. All right, let me let me quickly pause you on that one. Let's say hypothetically I was going to make this list a Sharpshooter. What mm -hmm. tweaks would you make in the list? Like, would you have more? Like how how would you, how would you do it? Like obviously you'd need a a third unit selection to go right. into this shooter. Yep, I would probably swap um, leadership of the alpha into the navigator, and then I would do uh, the two gun struck hollow gun hall thunders to be two man units, two five man units. Sorry, and then just split them in half so that way you have two different ways to target GCs from one boat, and then you put the engine rigger into uh, the third slot for a sharpshooter. And then they can actually, that's really why the drill launchers are also useful for, uh, in because they're 50 range and they sometimes can really punish a small, like a, let's say a quick boss and it gets less, right? Uh, just like having a random six full and you're like, cool, three mortal wounds. Uh, and then like that's, you know, and then obviously the, the guns from the end riggers are also very good at picking up small JC units, uh, especially with the extra ren from the uh, Admiral. Cool. So, so the list wouldn't change much. It's more just the structure and obviously right. the thunder is out, yeah. but, but you wouldn't have to like change anything. But no. what does, what does change is this Barrack Zilfen list. So this is an alternative approach with a one drop. So if you want to play a bit more of the classic one drop style, mm -hmm. go in and hit the opponent hard and hope for the double turn. Um, we've got this Barrack Zilfen list, which has got the Admiral with the uh, Burst Grenade again, uh, the Navigator, which is the General with the Stormcaller and Leadership of the Alpha, Endron Master with Endron Harness, nine Endron Riggers, nine Endron Riggers, a Frigate, a Frigate, a Frigate, uh, and one has the Omniscope, uh, one has the Malefic Sky Mines, all have the Heavy Sky Cannons. Yeah. It's all kale. But just more punchy. <laughs> That's the way you describe this list. I mean, it's, it's a one drop. Zilfin is probably the easiest way to get one drop into uh, KO. And it just plays very much similar to the old style. It's just, it tries to play KG in the first half. And then as soon as you can commit, you're just, you're dropping nine Endrin Riggers or 18 Endrin Riggers in your opponent's face to strike first. Like it's very hard for, they just, they, they shoot well and they punch so well as well. Uh, mechanically speaking, it's, they also like it's it hard for armies like um, Zinch or or Helen that can't necessarily pick up a frigate in the shooting phase easily uh, because you can just heal it up to full almost immediately from the both end riggers like them in three inches of the same frigate. Uh, it plays a very kind of uh, more conservative place other than the previous list, but it is also a very good way of like because you're going to be wanting to go second most of the time because you're going to be punishing your opponent for you know. If you get a double turn situation, you're like, cool, like now I can unload the 18 engine riggers after I kind of like whittle down your screens or your, your crucial elements out of like, I need that. And then now I'm going to charge you with three frigates that do effectively potentially 
let's say four, eight, 12 mortal wounds across all three of them on purge. And then on top of the 12 mortal wounds they could do in the movement. Um, and it's, we didn't really talk about this previously, but one of the things I forgot to mention because we didn't talk about the navigator is the reason why KO can sit so conservatively is because of the navigator. <laughs> Uh, the navigator gives uh, KO Yutz uh, during the hero phase a pot, a, an ability, potentially, to move D3 plus 3 inches in the hero phase. And having that command trait lets you reroll dice because it's only on sixes out of six dice. If you roll multiple sixes, you can move a boat for each six. And that just gets you that additional speed where it just lets you basically get into bombing range of units and also like sit comfortably out of threat range of things. Uh, once and it's fairly like there's only like a nine percent chance you don't roll either a one or six on those six dice with the rerolls is even less than that it's like four and a half percent uh and once you if you choose to use ones instead of the sixes it just makes and it just allows you to do d3 mortal with an enemy unit and half its movement speed which is still very good uh so navigator gets you a lot of mileage and both those lists basically by putting you defensively out of range and then they give you that extra boost to get back into uh range effectively yeah the utility value alone i would always take a list with a navigator if i was yeah. building a list a navigator would always be in my list and if it meant dropping between code right or navigator it's navigator every day yeah and that's why one of the things too you don't even have to take that mentrade on the navigator he can go into any other hero it doesn't have to be the navigator with that command trait. It's just like if you have any that command trait anywhere on the board, you get to reroll any of the dice. It doesn't have to be the navigator, which is really cool as well. Wow. All right. Uh, to bring us home, I'm going to ask you a bunch of rapid fire questions from the community. Sure. Are you ready? Fuck yeah. Are you ready? All right. Yeah. Where where do you stand with Balloon Boys? Riggers or Skywarden seem to have a close profile. And Riggers. The healing is too good. It's just, it's uh, just too good. How would you characterize the shift in play styles from the old book to the new book? How is KO players expected to pilot to give themselves the best opportunity to win games? I think KO players are going to take a lot more risk to win games now, which is probably good for the meta because it's more engaging for your opponent as well to play an army that actually wants to fight you. But that's how KO plays now. It actually has the ability to just punch up not just punch down <laughs> so like i said earlier it's more of a, a melee army of guns and less of an army that upwards around with guns basically do you wish you had actually had like a melee focus unit like something that could go in and commit properly and grind or are you happy with what you got i think i'm very i mean you can't complain about the efficiency of end riggers in terms of maya prowess so I'm, I'm very happy with what they have i don't think the book needs grindy and it's not how they want the army to play anyway though by design so i think yeah it's very good period i don't want to change look what do you expect will be our hardest matchups and how do you expect to counter them what matchups do you think will be in our favor and what do you think will likely to win yeah um Gits are always well, squid gits are always gonna be a problem because they just have the resilient wound density to just sit on points and not even have to engage you and just watch you scream on top of your lungs as you're trying to kill like 200 models of gits. Uh trolls are gonna be fairly easy, I think, for, for KO to lift and pick up. Uh Bach are gonna be sorry, Bisa Kalis are probably gonna be fairly hard for B, for KO because the way they mechanically can do mortal wounds and charge you point blank, it's gonna be challenging. You can't really defensively set up for that. 
And then finally, I think Slaves of Darkness are going to be probably an easy matchup as well. Uh, It's just mostly because having the ability to do the amount of rent three volume shooting you can put to the table and then all this chip damage plus on top of the strike first melee attacks which all rent do multi-damage gets really challenging for vanguards to get a lot of value yes they can be fast yes they can try to reach you but you know you usually as ko play you get to dictate the first engagement more than not uh so i think that's you know the true more traditional slaves of darkness lists are going to have a problem against ko i think and then in terms of uh, other armies which have a good chance against KO, uh, we can probably, I, th- I still think Teclis can be a problem, but I don't think hell on Teclis can be a problem. Like when we're talking about like Yometra, like ignoring all your rend is really good. Uh, having a five ward aura that may be un- you know, unstoppable is super good. And then having the AOE mortal wound mechanics is super punishing to the boat list because all your you have so many exes we talked about into one basket so anything that can like basically do split like we'll talk about like vexilors and stormcast vexilors and stormcast are bloody terrifying uh to ko armies uh just because if you're playing a boat list they'll just hammer you to the ground with more wounds uh and just the units inside the boats are probably gonna get healed up in the integrator so it doesn't really matter but the units inside will get punched yeah, you're, you're you're talking about the five vexel lol list that just does rains of mortal wounds right. and comet right. comes down and all that stuff. Yeah, um, yep. A unit of nine sky wardens and a frigate is almost 700 points. Um, Fifteen thunderers and an ironclad is is over nine hundred points and over a thousand when you include a chemist. Uh, with a large amount of points sunk in the boats and the threats, how would you fill out the rest of the list? So obviously we've shown um, a couple of examples, but I guess if people are starting with either the sky wardens and the frigates or the thunderers and the ironclads. Um, What's some of the theory behind filling out the rest of your list? Maybe is the is the question there. I think I, I think I want to build a KO list. I wanted to compartmentalize it into doing one specific job. Like I like the disruption gameplay. That's what we used to take us in a bottle a lot of the time. It had that weird disruption mechanic you could do with uh, either half movement or not so much the purple sun, which went in more. So when I approach list building, I like to compartmentalize the KO list to, okay, I need this compartment to be able to do this. I need this compartment to be able to do this. Uh, but for the most part, it comes down to how am I going to basically, before it was that, like, how am I going to play on objectives and and still be able to score the objectives? But nowadays, the list is, the army is translated more into how am I going to get on the objectives without getting punched back? Uh, basically, as we talk about this, because the army doesn't have the durability to necessarily hit, you know, take the, you know, the, the, the counterattack. So you got to find ways to like either body blocks a boat or, you know, or just, you know, remove things that could counter hit. But like for the most part, yeah, it's, you need to designate each boat to do something specific and something like to do well, basically. Uh, I personally have not built any of the non-boat lists. I'm sure they're probably going to find a way to exist and i hope they do but i just i just prefer the boat there's just so much more fun so no that's a good one uh, a couple more what's your stance on thunderers five man squads 15 man squads uh range 12 weapons or only 18s i'm just quickly pulling up to yeah, see how yeah, that yeah. makes sense uh, you'll notice in my one of my lists i had 10 thunders i think this is probably two units of five or unit of 10 is probably 
most I would spend in Thunders at any given point in time. Uh, I really like the cans. The cannons are fantastic. They're 18-inch range. Uh, the Fumigators are also one of my new favorite uh, weapons they have mm-hmm. because of the auto hits, but because at the end of the combat, they do mortal wounds, which is another... We talked about this. More mortal wounds, multiple phases is very good for KO. Uh, and then finally, like uh, I like to just... like Those two weapons and the rifles are just good enough. I've tried the deck sweepers. They're fun. They're also good. If you're not playing sharpshooter, but if you're playing sharpshooter, you probably don't want the deck sweeper. You want the range to really, you know, reach the JCs. So I think 10 is about as good as it gets for Thunderers. A couple more questions. Uh, do you feel that you are durable enough um, as you? Sounds like you've got a fan because they've, they've actually quoted, quoted you. They've said you've described them as a combat army with shooting. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely I place now for me at least. That's how I, I approach the game. And I, I got a lot of practice against Matt Beasley, which is a local in Seattle who plays Inch uh, a lot. And uh he hates KO so much I've given PTSD out of all the practice games we played. So uh because not because of his shooting, but because of the ability to just fight in combat on top of its shooting. It's just super infuriating for him to deal with. Yeah, KO's yeah. always been a great castle breaker too. Like you always have the perfect right. nut to crack those. Um, is the Encantor a worthwhile ally to save on an artifact slot? I think so. I it's 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 so the problem I have the ally selection for me, it's that every time you take an ally, you're taking less guns and you're taking less melee threats because that's how the army is now. It's like everything you invest in a frigate is potentially a melee threat unit. So anytime you pick an ally, it you're you're sacrificing those points uh not to say like there isn't points on fat to be removed from the list uh and i think the encounter is probably one of the few exceptions it's like yeah it's, it's nice to have that uh, as a you know not so you don't have to invest in the void stone artifact slot for sure two more two more burning questions and we'll wrap this up what's the mindset uh that you think ko players are going to need for this new book I think most of the new old and new KO players are going to have to get used to the fact that like, sometimes you're going to have to go for a Hail Mary. <laughs> uh, because it's like, especially the old KO players, we wanted really to play an army that was very much not engaging your opponent. New KO does not want to do that. It wants to engage. <laughs> like, So you're going, to fight, you're going to have to make peace with that reality. So sometimes a charge that looks really risky has to be very calculated and it can be like it can make the difference between you winning the game on turn four or you winning the game on turn three in some cases for ko so um i don't like i yeah that's ko players are gonna have to feel a lot better about charging basic with the moral moral story is (laughs) able mentioning i always wanted to charge now i can yeah 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 it's 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 night and day from the two books and you know, like you're like the book the previous book was like well you charge you're not very good at it now it's like if you charge you're pretty you're pretty bloody good at it <laughs> so. well it's like because the old bomb racks as well like you wanted to be charged you're like okay i'm gonna shoot you and if you charge me i'm gonna drop some bombs on you but right. if you don't charge me i'm just gonna keep shooting at you yeah, yeah. And, we're t- and by the way, like we're saying this over the context, we're talking about frigates. Frigates, because that's the problem with the Ironclad is it does not have the disembark mechanic that the frigates do. And that's like, that's it's like, you know, why it's left in the dust by the frigate, basically. So, 
Actually, let me add a second second last question because this is on the list. Do you still run frigate? Uh, sorry, do you still run ironclads, or are we all about frigates now? I'm trying to find a reason to run an ironclad. I I haven't found one. Like honestly, like I rather just have more frigates. Now I will say, if the battle scroll or whatever HB comes out and they point it just where the the ironclad comes out, let's say fifty points and frigates go up like twenty points, then. I think it's arguable that you might want to want, like, especially that Thunder block I have might want to sit in an Ironclad over a Frigate. But it's hard. Like, Frigates just do so much more now than the, the Ironclad even does with the extra shots it has. Just consistently, like, it fights better on points than an Ironclad would ever win. So. And I, I, and I think that's my feeling, again, with the Gun Haulers. The Gun Haulers, just for a little bit extra points, I can upgrade right. to a Frigate. It's like, it's hard to justify, but... Uh, yeah, like again, in the future, if points adjust, then that might be the trigger to bring back in the ironclad or yep. reduce the amount of frigates. You know, I think one frigate's probably the healthy spot, um, but right now, abuse it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gits player. I'm gonna run my, <laughs> I'm gonna run, run all of my squeak herd while I can. Um, yes, do it. The mighty. That's nerf. The, it's the uh, it's the philosophy of any video game. If, uh, if the developers let you have an exploit, exploit early and exploit often uh, until they fix it. <laughs> so. listen, listen, you and I have like a kindred spirit. Ko and Gits have been struggling for years now. Like, yeah, yeah you, you can be good, good builds, but like this is our time in the sun. We're gonna enjoy it while it lasts. Get sunburnt from the glory and the tears of our opponents. Yeah, the difference is like I'd rather lose two squigs than having to force my opponent to fight KO. Like I feel like I feel bad. I don't even bring KO to like my like weekly games because it's just like the, the army is so efficient. And I'm just I feel bad. <laughs> so, it, it's probably the it, same you probably feel by Gits. <laughs> now now it feels engaging though. I, I must admit, yeah. at least now yeah. KO is a much more engaging game. And that was one of the things that I enjoyed the most was that. I feel like we're going to have a good interactive game, not right. can I absorb your damage and then punch you back. And whoever does like that arm wrestle wins that. It's at that one point in the turn. Right. Yeah. It's going to take a moment for the meta to adjust to how yeah. players play now. Yeah. Last burning question. Then we'll bring it home is um, a good one. Actually. I really, really like this one and it's two parts to it. And it's probably the second part of the question I'm, I'm more interested in is how do you use KO on the tabletop? And I think you've kind of described that, but the second part, which is more important is how do you plan to crack some of the top meta armies at the moment? All right. So in terms of Zinch, I have a lot of games under my belt and I feel pretty good that just the way the army plays just kind of just wins against Zinch. In terms of Gits, it's, it, I think, from, and I've talked a lot about this because a lot of people are still in the fence between the low drop versus the high drop KO. I think to play against Gits in the way they exist, you have to play the high drop variant with Sharpshooter. You have to be able to be able to pick off the squig bosses and some of the elements that buff the squigs early in the game. Uh, and then hope you can take their their squigs with just a ren one at ren one attack over the mortal wound. The mortal wound is a big problem. It's not so much the squids ren one. Uh, and then you know that's kind of how I would approach the game style. And since the battle tactics of KO are almost equally as easy as the gets one, it's you can kind of maintain the point differentials to be very small uh, early in the game and will play more defensively. Uh, in terms of slaves, uh, I played multiple games against different slave variants. Um, the Varen Guard is obviously the most scary one, but it still didn't feel that bad. 
Uh, just mostly because once you pick up their Vanguard block, they don't really have anything else to do. Like they don't have any threats left in the book. So you could just make up the point differentials if you let them, you know, get ahead too early in the game. Uh, and then the chosen block approach was like even worse. Like it's just basically like waiting for its slow grindy death to basically the KO uh, army. And then once again, sharpshooter is super important in that matchup, even because you can pick off the sorcerers with the demonic, you know, the three six run and charge very easily. Like the ten block of thunderers as a sharpshooter, or the two five and thunder, they can just pick up any sorcerer off the table usually uh, by themselves. Uh, and then in terms of like, let's see, I'm trying to think of another. I haven't. I've only played one game against Bach, and it did not end well because that was Bach is just gonna such a hard army to lock down with KO uh, since they don't have to play the game like at all. Like you, the old K, they're basically old KO. They don't have to play the game. They could just sit off the table. Like <laughs> they're a, just like, like okay, a, cool. Uh, like a null deploy. They're, that that null deployment yeah. for two turns means like, well, what are you shooting at? And then when they do come in, they just arrive point blank with Minotaurs, and you're like. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think. What what other like, top tier army would you say I would face with Kale? Well, I was just thinking as well. Like uh, obviously, hot hot off the press, uh, Blades of Corn and Heat Knights of Slanesh have literally the battle times have been previewed. Have you are you concerned, or do you have any thoughts on like what new Slanesh might bring to the table? Because they've got a lot of speed. Um, Corn has yeah. a lot of hitting power. They've got a ward. Uh, demons have a ward of uh, five up yep. outside of eight inches. So there's some good things that, you know, the ward will be negative against you. They can absorb more damage. Yep. Yeah. So one unit I was very afraid of from corn was skull crushers because they have a base natty two, two plus save, which really helps you counter some of the KO shooting. But in the games I've played against Gorn, the mortal wound I put from just flying over, charge, and then the high ran from the engine riggers in has been able to just kind of like either clear or whittle down the the uh, uh, the soul crushers. And since I'm faster than them, I can lock them in combat. And um, they don't really, they're really not that scary in combat is a problem I've been like finding out. Uh, they really do their damage output from when they charge. And then in terms of the demons, uh, it's just, the problem I have the demon list is that KO wants to get in your face. So the ward saves against shooting has been like, it's really good for KO plays offensively, but KO wants to get in that 8-inch aura anyway. So you don't really get the ward saves. And if you do have the ward saves, you still have the KO ability to just say, school because Scarbrand is sitting too far away from this screen, I can still remove uh, his ward save on a 2-up and then just still shoot him, as long as he's within 12 inches of the boat, right? Uh is things like that. I was like, I feel corn is at a disadvantage. I don't think it's like very single-handedly decided, but I think it is a disadvantage against okay, new Kale. Uh, Heatonites, I don't know. Heatonites are interesting because they can do so much mortal wounds to my heroes and units, but I'm engaging into the game. Like, I want to shoot Endenriggers at you. Cool. Tation dice. That's D3 mortal wounds on it. <laughs> continuously doing damage to the guys inside by me doing things <laughs> it's like it's actually kind of like i would be very problematic for ko to deal with <laughs> for new yes yeah. so for anyone who doesn't know uh, uh slanish has six temptation dice every turn uh if you fail a roll they can offer you a dice and that it's a uh, automatic six to your hit wound or save um okay. if you accept it uh, you obviously get the six and they get some summoning points. 
if and obviously some abilities that come off the back of that um yeah. if you decline it you take the d3 damage so it's almost like you're better off giving accepting it right and not taking the d3 mortals exactly but then they're all of a sudden they're minus one to hit in combat which really hurts the the combat mode and then all of a sudden they're they're five up ward like mechanically speaking i think edonites might be more problematic than corn for kale basically um and honestly any army that gets minus one to hit and shooting is going to be very or minus one to hit and combat and shooting is going to be very problematic for ko to deal with effectively i think is what uh, it comes to the other cool out as well is uh scarbrand has a 3d 3d6 charge um right but if yep. i look at if i if i look at meta watch so currently disciples of zinch is, is, is so just from order of mm -hmm. win rate uh zinch lumineth beast of chaos gets flesh eater courts ko corn ogres cities sylvaneth and then just it's like there's a big fat middle between 54 percent and 45 percent but the right. ones that are above 40 uh, 50 55 is yeah zinch lumineth bok gits and then fex at the top fex an interesting one yeah it, to be honest it's it's because we went away from the monster meta so feeding frenzy is more relevant so yeah, they they've they've always hit really hard. <laughs> they don't have to worry about you know activating feeding frenzy. That yeah, they're gonna do great. <laughs> uh, oh. Does Lumineth worry you at all, other than the um? Or how how do you defeat them, especially with, like with Techless and the bubble? So the Techless, like, so if it's a Helon list, I'm not too worried about the Helon list because I outrange them for the most part, uh, and then they require them to teleport a unit to really get in range. And the problem is the output from a teleporting sentinel unit isn't enough to pick up any of the individual units and potentially could pick up a hero but that's okay because your value in the army isn't from the heroes it's from the boats and the guys inside and then the problem is like whatever return fire the ko puts into shining company which is still minus one can be like they can just lift sentinels off the table uh and then you can just kind of ignore techless as long as you sit outside of his uh mortal wound aura uh and even if you do sit in this mortal wound aura like you so the problem i have as the one time i played against tech the the healing list is i was able to shoot off a sentinel block charge another unit disengorge the entire met you know you know fury road frigate and then just kill techless in combat <laughs> and he was just like okay cool like i guess the game's over but like that's like that's kind of like the problem of ko is just like it's just such a multi-thread like army now that it's like it's hard for these castle builds to design how to play well against it and then you have the advantage of just having vastly superior battle tactics than do so there you usually have a even if you get table by turn four like you almost have like a massive lead over them you know as long as you still maintain your strat so it's just hard for lumineth it's it's always felt like a little bit like Sons of Behemoth, where you score big early on, and then it's just the attrition of holding that lead as long as possible. But look, I think I think we've both shown that we could talk forever about character and overlords, and you are <laughs> you are the master when it comes to you know it's been very insightful, and we haven't even looked at individual war scrolls. This is how knowledgeable. Um, jeremy is but you have a channel the link is down below um i want you to give shout outs you i'm surprised you haven't said anything about the corsairs yet they'll probably kill you <laughs> if you don't say anything they don't get chance because they they can't afford to lose me <laughs> i'm indispensable to them 
Hold on, Matt Buck is a Corsair as well, right? Yeah, he's so he's responsible too in a different way. I was, no, no, but I was, I was just thinking because he was on Warhammer Weekly talking about KO. You're here yeah. talking about KO. We just need like the Corsairs to do the KO tour. I 100 percent uh and I would I would I can't wait to see what is because you know unfortunately Matt's KO army was stolen from him a few years ago and he's rebuilding it now and I can't wait to see what he does with it because he's a great artist as well on top of being a good general so I'm, I can't wait for that and I will I will say um you know for for funs and giggles the reason why I said I'm indispensable the sparkle dev party tournament we went to in Seattle and and, and strength we the top 10, it was uh, four Corsairs in the top 10, uh, and all of their lists were designed by me, including mine. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they don't get a choice. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> last, last, last burning question from the chat. You, you snuck right in, Brenos. Uh, is there a place for Sky Wardens in Barrack Zon lists, even though you said Edrin Rigids are superior? I think so. Like, it's, it's not like, keep in mind, like, the, the mechanically speaking, uh, Sky Wardens are just as effective in shooting and melee as Enden Ringers for the most part. The difference is that Enden Ringers bring you that extra healing ability on the boats, which is honestly very good. And then the other restriction that Sky Wardens have is they're 15 points more expensive than Enden Ringers for, I think they're 135 or they're 130. Either way, they're more expensive than Enden Ringers. It's mechanically weird to me. Uh, so, I don't dismiss Skywarders uh, because they're battle line for Barak Zon, so it's very nice. But it's just hard to argue for, like, you can pay for a 90-point Endrin Master, which is still a really good melee character in his boats, to just have unlocked battle, battle line Endrin Riggers. So it's not that uh, are out of the equation. It's just that, like, right now, Endrin Riggers are just too efficient. If you're not playing a boat list... And you're playing a footless of Barak Zon, then 100% Sky Wardens are vastly superior than Endron Riggers. So keep that in mind. 10 point different, by the way. Endron Riggers are 120, Sky Wardens are 130. Yeah, I, I'm shocked at that point differential for both units, but we'll see. We'll see what happens in the near future. I can tell you one of them is going to go up. Wow. <laughs> Give some shout outs, bring us home. Give, who, who do you want to shout out? Uh, and obviously, again, go oh, yeah. subscribe to Jeremy's channel. Link is below. Great content. Oh. I highly recommend it. It's not because he's here. I'm subscribed. Legitimately, go watch it. Uh, first off, thanks for the uh, thanks for the show. Thanks for having me on and talking about KO, which is an army I can talk forever about. Uh, thanks for the audience for putting up with me talking forever about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, shout out to the Corsairs, Team America. I hope to, I, I don't know if you'll make it to Worlds this year, Coach, but I can't wait to play uh, Sam Morgan again, your compatriot in uh, in Amsterdam. And uh, you guys should, uh, you know, it will be, there will be a lot of content about AOS Worlds coming out and everybody should watch it and help us promote the, uh, you know, this event for, for everybody. So that's my shout out. And if the link is not working for you or if people uh, are on Twi Twitch, they're watching this and they're not on YouTube, what's your channel name so they can search it out. And uh, it's, it's in my Discord as well. So every time Jeremy posts a video, it's uh, published in my Discord. So the the name is? I don't have a chin name for my channel. It's just Barack Dark. <laughs> it's just my channel. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. <laughs> uh. Anyone needs a link, leave it. I'll, it's in the episode description. We'll fix it up. But search Jeremy's name, Barrick uh, Durr, 
and um, Dor, Dor, and uh, it'll come up. But Jeremy, it's dinner time for you. Thank you so much for your time. Chat, thank, thank you for you. joining us. I uh, hope you enjoyed this. I hope you've got some ideas. If you don't already know this and how we work, um, this is just one way of playing KO. It's not to say that if you love a certain build or we didn't talk about Barrack Thring and that's your favorite, it's not that it's not competitive. It's just this is what we like and, and how we're thinking about it. But yep. you do you. Let us know in the comments what you think. Let us know uh, is there something that we missed, something that you like that maybe you want to tell us why you like it. Leave it in the episode description. Jeremy. Love your work. Absolute pleasure. And I apologize. This should have been like three years uh, earlier. <laughs> <laughs> you, gave, you gave me time to build some girth uh, between us. <laughs> you, you, you and me both. All right. I'll let you go. Have dinner. Thank you. Thank, thanks, everyone. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. Now, if you did, I would love it if you press like on the video as well as left me a comment with your thoughts. The conversation will continue over on Discord, and the link is down below in the episode description. I also want to give a massive shout out to the AOS Coach patrons and YouTube members who are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you are all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a double one on a spell cast.